This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we learned that some women are cray-cray. As we watch Spine yeah. 143 in the Criterion Collection, Louis Benwell's That Obscure Object of Desire from 1977. But first, RJ, we're, all, we're, we're, we're talking like usual, and it's it's not crashing and being a piece of shit so far. So far, I mean, we're talking like normal. Yeah. Uh, there's probably a massive dip in my sound quality. That's fine. Uh, a lot of people said I sounded way better last week. However, what they didn't see was the about, I think, six or seven failed attempts at using that that alternative software. Uh-huh. Uh, so I sound better, but at Jarrett's, ex- Jarrett's expense. So yeah. uh um, if you want to, you can email him and let him know that you don't give a shit what he has to do to do it, but to make it happen. Well, when these same people uh, start p- paying into the Patreon, uh, they can have opinions that count. Maybe uh, maybe some of them already do. <laughs> you ever thought think of that? I have, and I did think mm. about it. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, that last week was a nightmare. Um, yep. <laughs> I listened to... I listened to the first bit of it, and uh, there was like, I I, uh, I was listening, and I was like, there was like a chunk of I think fifteen minutes that just got cut straight out, and it's like, oh, oh well. I think that was one of the many dropped calls that we had over Google Hangouts, which doesn't even make sense. That's like its only job is to connect two people on a phone, and it just like cuts out after sixteen minutes. You know, some of that was just called editing. <laughs> Oh, he edited it out. Oh, I see. Yeah, he's he's taking creative control over uh, well, what you, I usually say. usually when it comes down to uh, uh, it's like oh, there's no clean way of getting rid of this. I'm just going to chop this like thirty seconds out, mm. which I guess you call fifteen minutes. Uh, well, it was a uh, I I took it as a lot of my Mel Gibson talk, which is unfortunate because I feel like that's what people are here for. Almost that, but uh, there's a there's enough in there. I mean. It's not like I'm not going to talk about a more every podcast forever. Yeah. So, no, it, uh, what a nightmare. But yeah. hey, we're through. We're and, back, uh, baby. D- did we get any emails about toilet talk before we get to the mailbag? Absolutely none. Did we get, we got zero mail this week? No, we got some. Just oh, some... just not on toilet talk? Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> oh, well, cause last week, that's what I was going to talk oh, about. Oh, well, maybe there's some toilet talk coming our way. Ooh. Okay, well, before we get into that, um, I don't like new plungers. Go on. Like, you know how, like, all, all these plungers have, like, this inside cone that comes out, and it's I supposed see, to, like, yeah, go... Yeah, yeah, And I hate it, because it makes a mess. It get, it has, like, serious kickback, and it's just horseshit. Why can't they just make a normal plunger now? Not And not that, like, wooden stick with the red on it. The classic? Real, yeah, the classic, because those suck, too. But they used to make good ones that were like these big black ones, but without that inner circle thing. Mm. This is a serious problem, Jarrett, and I'm going to address it yeah. until it gets resolved. Well, RJ, you got a microphone. Uh, you could always start your own toilet plunger podcast, I guess. And Well, uh, this is what people are here for. <laughs> well, I don't know. Did you do anything this week, Jarrett? Nothing plunger related. Mm, see, see, we need this to fill in time. Mm-hmm. It's the last day of classes at the uni. Ooh, exciting! So, uh, yeah, that's about to kick off the the huge drop off of me seeing other human beings for the next two and a half weeks. That's nice, though, right? Yeah, it's okay. 
there's things I can find to listen to on YouTube, I guess. Mm, I just mean like not having the constant horde of people just always breathing down your neck. Well, it's not like they're doing that, but you never know when they're going to show up and ask me for something. Hmm. Uh, I'm always living like I'm in a horror movie. Hmm. Which one? Uh, a bad one. <laughs> Night of the Scarecrow? Get out. Like, <laughs> Oh, have you ever publicly decried Get Out on this podcast before? Oh, I just, I just, I just grabbed the movie that came through my mind. Oh. In the context of, mm, maybe it's not as good as people say. Ooh. Maybe. What, ha- what are, what are you going to be like when they make Get Out 2? Yeah. Hey, but uh, what's his name? He's making uh, Candyman, apparently, or Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, I did hear that, and uh, I heard it was a little confusing. Some were calling it a reboot, some were calling it a sequel. No, because people don't know, they don't even know what the movie's going to be, other than yeah. Jordan Peele's going to make Akira too. remember that? Remember all these things that mm-hmm. get announced? I do remember. When someone's a hot director all of a sudden, and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. you're on my project now. We, we've... Yeah, I kind of hope that Akira movie never gets made, because it'll never live up to it, and it'll come out and it'll be a big piece of shit like all the other movies people want to see. You think you want them. But then when they come, you're like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. I feel like it's a case where like people want it just so they have something to complain about. Because there's a shortage of that. I don't know if you were mm. aware of the, the great shortage of shit to talk about. Well, look at us. What yeah. are we even talking about? I don't know. What are we talking about? Work? I don't know. Jordan Peele? I got, I got, I got nothing to talk about. I already hate you with my toilet talk. And uh, frankly, you seemed uh, put off by it. So uh, I'm going to drop it. Speaking of frankly, mm-hmm. we, we got we got our mailbag, two emails from one Frank Salon. Uh-oh. First swap was, cheer up, creeps. Hey, guys. Hope you guys are doing better from last week. If I'd known that it was going to be a bad week for you dudes, I would have sent this email first to try to cheer you up. I'd been saving this story maybe for a later time, but I've decided this mm. time is the time is now. So here it goes. Frank's weird dump story. Ooh. So the building I work in has an employee restroom in the basement, but not many employees use it. Somehow mm. I found out about it. So this bathroom has become my secret dumping grounds. Nice. Anyways, one day during lunch hour, I needed to purge the gut. So I made my way down there and sure mm. enough, not a soul was inside. I had the whole basement to myself. So I let loose and I have to say this. I have a weird habit of taking a dump all shirtless. What? Mm, mm. That's, uh, that's the George Costanza approach. Yeah, this is taking a turn. My body overheats, man. I don't like being sweaty while taking the dump. So mm. I finished dropping bombs and I'm technically naked. And I'm reading an article on my phone that tells me that, hey, we use toilets wrong. We're supposed to sit facing the wall. So in my nude state, I decide to test this original method of dumping. And mm. I do. I'll say this about it. It's nothing special. But then I hear footsteps outside the door and a maintenance guy walks in on me in my confidence of being the only human life form. I forgot to lock Mm. the door. So this maintenance guy, he sees me at my most vulnerable and he backs away and shuts the door. What sucks the most is the guy used to be my friend and now he avoids me. (laughs) It's been about about two months and I know I should be embarrassed, but I'm not. I think it's pretty hilarious. Actually, he walked in on naked dude sitting backwards on the toilet. I guess now, whenever I email, this is how you guys can imagine me. Oh, I found out uh, there's a Skype app, and I can use that on my iPad for the feature feature episode. If not, maybe the Google Hangouts. We'll figure it out together. I guess it's back to long emails. Up and, until next time, creeps. Uh, there's a few things I, I'd like to comment on this story. <laughs> oh, go on. Uh, <laughs> you, you shouldn't be embarrassed. Fuck that guy. If something like that is going to uh, send that guy running, then you know what? He wasn't your friend 
after all, okay? Real friends stick through things like that. I got friends who've seen me in pretty compromising positions, but you know what? They never left. They hold it against me years and years later. Some even record podcasts with you. Some even record podcasts with me. You've never seen me in too many compromising positions. Um, Not like bad ones. I see you a lot, but uh, those are for my own private use. Um, So yeah, I wouldn't feel bad about that. Uh, As far as the sitting the other way, there's been some pretty hot debate in the toilet world lately, Jared. I don't know if you're like hip into these things, but there's like sitting frontwards, sitting backwards. Uh, There's also a a wiping front to back or back to front. That was really popular on, uh, I think it was Tom. I heard on Tom Segura's podcast, but they were talking to the H3, H3, uh, like the clients, and they were talking about it a lot. So this is some kind of big internet thing. Uh, I don't really want to try any of them, but uh, that's because I'm usually in such a volatile state that any anything that would disturb my delicate balance would cause for probably hours of cleaning in the bathroom. So, you know, whatever. But uh, I do like this story. It does make me feel better. And I am feeling better. So thanks. Yeah. Like not once has uh, this recording crashed. So... Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, yeah, I don't have too many thoughts about uh, sitting saddle sideways, whatever you want on a toilet. Would you try it? Um, no. Um, I will say that, like recently, I, I noticed when I was using a uh, washroom at work that I mm-hmm. saw uh, someone's feet uh, at a stall, but their like legs were like in a weird position where like they were like you know one foot was over the other, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I think that seems like that would complicate things, would it not? Uh, depends what you're trying to do, Jared. I don't, were, were the pants also down at the ankles? Yeah. Or were, yeah. Okay. I was going to say they could have just been like sitting there avoiding something. That's possible. But, uh, I thought about that, but then mm. certain sounds accompanied this image. And then I was like, huh. Mm-hmm. You know what that could have been? Hmm. I don't know. I was asking. <laughs> I, I phrased that like I knew, but, uh, that was a, just a legitimate question. But Hey, RJ. What? Emergency email from Frank. Uh oh, I think I know what this might be regarding. Let's see. Whoa, bros. I've got an emergency alert email, but a good one. The new Criterion Uh-oh. Collection subscription service is set to launch in both the US and Canada. So, because Filmstruck died, you guys now get to share that Criterion Collection with us here in the US. I'll attach a, fo- a picture of the email I received from Criterion for the Filmstruck shutdown below. I mm-hmm. thought we talked about this two weeks ago, but. We, we did. It's questionable, and it's like I think I've read now the same thing, and I still would slot it under questionable because I do believe the thing says it's like we're set to do this, and I go, yeah, sure. Until until so, it is like active, <laughs> I don't believe yeah. it because things can sh- plans can change, RJ. Yeah, I think what it is, it's like it's tentative, tentatively planned, but it's also like under the stipulation that. I think they're gauging how many people will register in Canada and they're going to see if it's worth like the uh, the oh, international oops. copyright stuff. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there was all those things where it was like, sign up now uh, so we know if you're going to uh, do this or not. Um, which is just basically like, it's like, let us see, or we want to see like how many pledge, people are interested. Yeah. yeah, that like pledge stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um I mean, I hope it comes for real. Mm-hmm. I do. I yeah. hope it's. I hope it's a real thing. That but uh, be, we will see. Some might say that would be good for business for us. Uh yeah. 
Yeah. That would be super terrific for us. But yeah. um, well, not only because like it would benefit us directly when we have to like watch stuff that neither of us own, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. we'll be able to do it legitimately. But it would also help us because uh, mortal people have access to Criterion's and could potentially, if they were insane enough, listen to two-hour-long podcasts about movies. Mm. I don't think anyone would want to do that. No. Why would anyone do that? I have a feeling that uh, Frank is maybe behind an episode or two because I thought he was going to comment on uh, the Puerto Rico, Costa Rica uh, fiasco of last week, but um, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. All right. Who knows? Hey, RJ. What? What you been creeping on lately? Um, Some stuff. Some interesting stuff. I'm glad you're you're on it here. Uh, so <laughs> I no I I know what I was talking about. Um, I watched a couple Christmas movies and then I watched a couple Christmas movies that are like my Christmas movies. Kind of, I'll get into that. Jared, have you ever heard of a movie called Deck the Halls? I'm throwing you off guard. You didn't see this one coming. No, I did not. From the director of Big Mama's House Two and Big Mama's House Three. <sighs> John Whitesell. Uh, this movie stars Danny DeVito and uh, Matthew Broderick. Uh, I only watched half of this, but I'm going to count it. Uh, it's a movie where they like they like fight for who has the biggest Christmas decorations. It's a load of horse shit. I'm glad Danny DeVito doesn't do this stuff anymore. Uh, but Matthew Broderick is in this, and uh, he plays like the guy who feels like left out and he's like, ah, oh. he's like, that was my thing. I want to do that. And like, he's like really shitty to Danny DeVito. And I can't watch Matthew Broderick movies anymore because he killed that family. And now he's like having these Christmas foibles with other people. And that movie really sucks. And I wanted to tell you about it. Thanks. You want to hear about a movie that like isn't great, but it's actually not bad? No, but you're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you about it anyways. It's called I'll Be Home for Christmas starring... Like the song. Just like the song, yeah. Starring uh, American teen idol heartthrob Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, I remember that guy. That's right. The boy from Wild America, Man of the House, Tom and Huck, Pinocchio. Real you remember sh- those movies? Um, I recall them. Home Improvement. Uh, this also has Jessica Biel and uh, your buddy Gary Cole. I know you're a big Gary Cole guy. Uh, so I'll Be Home from Christmas is a late 90s uh, Christmas comedy drama. <laughs> it is a Disney film, Jared. Could mm-hmm. you believe it? Uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays uh, a rich, spoiled kid uh, who his parents live in New York. He lives in like California, I guess. He's going to school there, and he's got all sort. He's got his hands in all sorts of like schemes. Uh, the football uh, team pays him to get the answers to the test so that they can pass, and he has an elaborate setup of uh, nerds who uh, like page the answers to the football players. Um, he's got a rivalry with a different rich kid. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jarrett, he's got the eyes on Jessica Biel. He wants to be in Jessica Biel business. Uh, so he plans a fabulous trip to Malibu for Christmas. And she's really hurt by it because she wants to go home because she also lives in New York. Uh, but he doesn't want to go home because he's got a new stepmom. And boy, does he not want to hang out with her, Jarrett. So, but here's the thing. But is she hot? 
Uh, it depends on how you define beauty. So anyways, Gary Cole's his dad, and he's like, listen, I know you don't want to come home, but if you come home, I'll give you the Porsche. And he's like, ooh, baby, I want that Porsche. So he changes his plans to go over there. He talks Jessica Biel into it, but then she finds out that he's only going for a car. So uh, she drives. But what happens, the night before he's supposed to fly out, the football team mad at him, puts him in a Santa suit, glues a wig and a hat to him, and leaves him out in the desert in, like, Nevada. So he's got to, like, hitch his way across the country. So all for that sweet car, baby. But here's the thing, Jared. Mm-hmm. Maybe along the way, he'll meet some interesting people and he'll learn a little bit about them, about himself, and about this true spirit of Christmas. Hmm. Did, does, uh, does, does he? Yeah, he does. But it's kind of like he does at the end, but it's kind of like too clean where he's so, he's like so shitty the whole time. And then it's like at the end, he's like, wait a minute, I don't need a car. I'll go get my girlfriend and be with my family. And you're like, well, like, it took a while to get there. And I don't think he really learned anything, Jerry. But yeah, uh, it's not that bad, actually. It's not good. Like, it's not a good movie, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it was way better than some of the other garbage I've been watching. Hmm. So yeah. and now but, it's on your podcast. Yeah, forever. You, yeah, you've been on quite the garbage run here. Uh yeah, until like these movies, but um wow, yeah, I've been on the rewatches are like these are cheating. They're cheating. Well, so here's the thing, Jared. And to fans all over the world, uh, Andrea and I have started a Harry Potter rewatch. So I'll spare you too many details unless people want to know about them. I will say so in a weird like coincidence, uh, mm-hmm. Chanel starts messaging me like Saturday night talking about like where are Harry Potter movies. And I'm like, we don't have Harry Potter movies. She's like, what the f- what the fuck? Because, uh, like, I think, like, I have the first five of these, but they're on DVD. Yep. And I just, like, have them at my parents' house because, in my mind, I'm like, well, whenever I want to watch these things again, I'm just going to buy me that, like, uh, eight, the the eight movie discs on Blu-ray. Yeah. And, like, I just, like, every time I brought it up or I go to look at it, I'm like, oh, they're, like, 90 bucks. I'm like, pfft. I'm gonna wait mm-hmm. that out. Wait till these are way cheaper. One day they always go on sale one day for like fifty yep. or something like that. But well, that well, day here's hasn't the thing. come. And so Chanel though now has a interlibrary loan on these Harry Potters mm. on blue because she wants to rewatch these things too. So I thought it was very interesting that you two are watching these for whatever reason. Did she get them? Not yet. Okay, I was gonna say if she can wait until we're done, you can borrow my Blu-ray set. She yeah. Sure. But uh, anyways, so it's inter- It's funny you say that because I was of the same opinion where I owned a bunch of these on like VHS and DVD. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want to wait till the Blu-rays come out. And I was it, the Blu-ray pack used to be like a hundred and like twenty dollars or something. And I was like, that's outrageous. Yeah. Uh, but I left it in my Amazon cart and I always check and I just leave stuff in there. And I think like two years ago, it went down to like thirty dollars and oh, I was like, holy wow. shit. I should have bought like eight of them, but uh, I that, didn't. Was that Blu-ray or DVD? Blu-ray, baby. Whoa. So uh, just so deal. you know, that is the bottom. Oh, God. Good That's the know. floor to where it will go. It was like thirty-four ninety-nine or something like that. I can't remember what event it was. Like It might have been Boxing Day or something like that. I think it was maybe just like a flash deal on Amazon. But So that's where I got these. And uh, I was a Harry Potter kid. Um, I read all those books. I watched all the movies in theaters. Uh, pretty, I'm what you would call a fan of the franchise and the series. But I don't think I've ever talked to him about 
talked about them on the this podcast before because the last time I don't rewatch them that often. Like every well, because like there's three, fucking eight of them. Yeah, eight of them. You but watched like, them not that long ago. It was three either. years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah so, so outside of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's why. That's why I thought I, it was worth bringing yeah. up was because I checked and I was like, oh, it was the year we started the podcast, yeah, but okay. we started in the summer, and uh, I always watch them at Christmas because they're Christmas movies to me. Mm-hmm. They all feature a Christmas scene in them, and that's enough. Uh, I'll just, yeah, I'll just throw that uh, my like weird memory of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone coming out on DVD. Uh, is weird because uh, it came out like my first day working at a grocery store mm-hmm. and they had this huge display of them and I just like bought it there because it was like dirt cheap because at the time this movie, this movie was a big deal. Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, I feel like I had this on VHS, but I could be wrong. And then I remember watching it and being kind of like, that's it, huh? <laughs> yeah, but you're a heartless demon. Well, so, can, um, Well, as you're, you're going to tell me though here right now. That that first movie is no great shakes. Uh, one and two, not n- not as much, but like I I still like them. Like they're not one and two aren't great, uh, like movies, they're, but uh, they are dear to me. They're okay kids movies. They're yeah, they're, one they're, and two are okay yeah. kids movies, and then it's three which uh kicks kicks you in the dick and uh blows that dick right oh, off. Man, I got I got a hot take for you on that one, man. Ah, uh, I don't care about your hot take. I'm gonna tell you what the real real take is. But uh, last thing I'll say is I I really like these two because when the books were coming out, I was always like the age that he was, more or less, like within the year. So I was like, yeah, that's me. Anyways, Philosopher's Stone by Chris Columbus in 2001. Uh, I think this one is slightly better than Chamber of Secrets because it still has – uh, I think Chamber of Secrets is like unanimously the the bottom of the pile until they started making these Fantastic Beasts movies. <laughs> but uh, Philosopher's Stone is it's pretty good. It's got like it has a lot of like magic scenes in it where it's uh, it's all the setup of like this poor orphan boy and then exploring the world for the first time. So it's got a lot. Of, it's got that going for it. But uh, everything else in between, like, it's probably the least interesting of the Harry Potter adventures where it's like Voldemort's on the back of some dude's head and they're just shitty little kids to each other. So you're like, oh, whatever. Um, But it's got the intro into the world. So that's cool. Uh, Chamber of Secrets. uh, It's not as good. The story's like almost a little bit better. But there's certain aspects of the story that come off like super cornball-y, like uh, the Tom Riddle ghost, which later, uh, whether she intended to or not, like is the Horcrux thing. It's like, OK, well, she made up for it. She like made a reason for it, at least. Uh, but uh, in, in this one, it comes off super cheesy where it's like he's like a ghost uh like dialoguing or like he's delivering exposition to Harry. It's like, this is who I am. And now you'll know forever. And you're like, uh, all right. But, uh, the one thing about chamber of secrets, that's pretty cool though, is uh, a lot of practical effects. Like, uh, I think, um, not all the, all over, but, uh, they really did make one of those giant basilisks at least like 15 feet of it. Cause you see it and it's, it's real. It's not special effects. That's pretty cool. Or it's not like CGI, I mean. Right. So that's neat. They made that. They made the Phoenix. The Phoenix looks kind of goofy, but uh, it looks way better that it's a puppet and uh, 18 years later instead of like 
if it was CGI. Anyways, and then I, we watched Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, number three. That's all we got up to. Uh, this was always one of my favorites. This was one of my favorite books uh, because uh, my boy, Professor R.J. Lupin, because I've never really met anyone else named R.J., and I thought that was really cool. So when uh, David Thewlis was in there, I was like, ooh. What about R.J. Readmore? Who is R.J. Readmore? Oh, my goodness. What is that from? Just uh, continue. I'll, anyway, I'll, send okay. you, I'll send you a picture. Well, I thought he was super cool, uh, and I really liked the story. I like I liked this one because it wasn't focused on Voldemort, where all of them, all the other ones are. I like that it was like new characters, and uh, I think a lot of there's a lot of really cool stuff. Like all the series black stuff is cool, and then all the werewolf stuff. I actually really dig the design of the werewolf in this where it's like super skinny and like really long limbs. Uh, I think it looks awesome because that's not something I see all the time. I think the Dementors are really cool. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron uh, directed this and you can tell like it's a huge jump in uh, filmmaking from uh, Chris Columbus. But um, what, what else? Uh, I really like it. Uh, the only thing is this is the one that, uh, shook the the hornet's nest for all of the fanboys because of the uh the problematic time turners which is fine i, I don't care about it too much but uh it is as you would say problematic but uh i really like prisoner of azkaban i think it's this one and uh order the phoenix i think are the two best yeah so oh. i got to the third one hearing about how it was like the the top of the mountain as far mm-hmm. as uh the, the Harry Potters up till the fourth movie had come out. Cause I watched these before I like, actually, I watched all four of these movies before going to see uh order of the Phoenix and number I remember, five. Yeah. The fifth one. And then I remember watching it though. And being like, uh, God damn, like three was like, I was like, Oh, that's it. Huh? Like I got it. It's like a super ambitious, like time travel mm-hmm. kind of movie. But I, I always felt like, underwhelmed by it i'd have to watch it again to maybe like have a better sense of it but i remember kind of being like oh i don't get this like why are people like loving this like it seems like it's not as good as it wants to be when did you did you only see this one time yeah i've only ever seen it i've only seen it once so that would have been like over 15 years ago well yeah before order of the phoenix came out like that's like the like within like a week or two of it coming out well i think order of the phoenix was 2006 yeah so 12 years i I could be wrong but uh yeah yeah, are you gonna rewatch these with chanel uh doubtful (laughs) maybe you should watch rewatch three we'll see well here's the thing uh prisoner of azkaban i think is really good uh i i think though number five order of the phoenix is on par with it people um people don't always people didn't like order of the phoenix because they thought it was like too big and it like wandered too much but i think that movie is like one of the top uh because of the like especially the opening it's yeah. the best opening sequence of any harry potter movie it's so yep. fucking good yeah well because it, it finally just like there's no more introductions it's just like hey yep. this movie's underway and uh reflective track pants <laughs> oh hell yeah man uh but order of the phoenix has like the best where it starts with that sky shot of him on a playground he's just real sad mm-hmm. and you're like oh shit you're like there's some sad stuff this, gonna this happen is gr- this grimming gritty harry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, I don't so, think everyone's going to get out of this one alive, RJ. That's what I was thinking. Ooh, but did they? <laughs> no. 
yeah, they didn't. So yeah, I think uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is a pretty choice. Uh, and Order of the Phoenix I like a lot too. But I'm going to watch the rest. I think, uh, and I'll talk about them, but I think Goblet of Fire is good. It's, yep. uh, it's like one of the funnest ones. Order of the Phoenix is one of the best. Half-Blood Prince is good um well, this is like the, the voldemort origin episode right that's yeah like, yeah yeah half blood prince uh half blood prince is good and then i think deathly hollows i can't remember which one one or two mm. one of them is bad two. uh and the other one is like okay uh, i can't remember which oh, one is which, yeah but. it's well because so god because they split into two it began the yeah. tradition of splitting movies up splitting into two and then and then yeah. it, and it builds to the uh goddamn hobbit it's splitting mm. it into three movies and it's like the worst garbage movies ever the Warner Brothers approach. Yep. Yeah. So, but anyways, that's uh, that's my rub on the Harry Potters. So. Choice. That's what I was watching. Cool. What about you, dude? I, I saw you watched some movies. Yeah. Uh, the theme is 2018 because, RJ, oh. I have not watched a whole heck of a lot of movies that came out this year. Like, really at all. How many? I have, like, I think I'm at 17 now, uh, but I was at, like, mm, 10 uh, before this weekend and I'm like whoa it's almost the end of the year and uh, people are going to be writing those best of lists and uh, making all these recommendations uh, and I'm like well I better like just start making it like look at some of these and grab the movies I actually want to watch or have like some sort of passing interest in watching and just like something <laughs> easy something easy to watch because uh, sometimes watching a contemporary modern film it's a it's a cool glass of water because it's just like easy to watch you can know that there's like gonna be a probably a basic level of competence in editing and like audio and stuff like that. There's easier to watch mm-hmm. than a movie from the seventies sometimes. Sure. Um, so I kicked things off, uh, on Friday night watching <gasps> the movie that, uh, you have been bugging me to watch forever. Mm-hmm. And that is Ari Aster's hereditary. Did you put emphasis on the ass and when you said airy ass term? <laughs> I just want to make it on a good diction there. People are always bugging oh, okay. me about my pronunciations. I mean So long awaited. Don't keep us waiting anymore. Are you a thumbs up or a thumbs down? How do you even talk about this fucking movie? I don't get okay. <laughs> when you were telling me how like the yeah. audio like you you like went into this movie and you were expecting mm-hmm. this like spook show, maybe like the witch, that type of thing, like mm-hmm. like something like oh man, it's it's contemporary, but it's gonna be like a real freaky horror movie. But then you were they talking, about, and then you were talking about how like your viewing experience was ruined because the audience, as you said, turned on this movie and just started mm-hmm. laughing at everything. And you said, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I could really appreciate this movie or, or whatever. So I kind of went into this movie. I watched it by myself downstairs mm-hmm. in Good. the basement in the dark. No one was home, and. I, this is a comedy, right? Like, this is, like, uh, I think it is. Like, I, yeah. I don't think, I don't know what to make of this movie because it's either, like, trying to be a comedy or it's, like, incompetent filmmaking or bad acting. Um, but then it all kind of comes into clarity a bit after you watch uh, his previous short film that people like talking mm-hmm. about and you've talked about on the show previously, The Strange Thing like... About the Johnsons. So, mm-hmm. but... See, I I never watched it. I just remember your description of it, and you were very uh, unimpressed by it. 
Yep. And uh, so I watched it after I watched Hereditary. And it kind of made me realize that the things that I was like looking at in Hereditary and being like, why am I laughing at this movie? Like, this mm-hmm. movie's like, ridiculous. And like, how are people like, oh man, I, the movie messed me up. Like, it's the scariest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, what you, how, are, how can yeah. you say that? So I watched Strange Thing about the Johnsons. I'm like, oh, he's just like, this is his thing. He kind of mm-hmm. wants to be a Todd Solins. Yes. Um, and there's a lot, like, it's a lot, every like review on Letterboxd that is on these movies, these other short films, they're really into the director. They have to, oh, Ari, you're so messed up. Oh, Ari mm-hmm. is such a crazy guy. And so I'm like, okay. So he's kind of like playing into mm-hmm. that aspect of like his persona, I guess, or like his gimmick now of like, isn't this fucked up? So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a pretentious Johnny Ryan <laughs> where it's like, he has these images and then mm-hmm. he like, he just like goes for it, but he doesn't care. Like, I don't think he has any m- motivation to like make a regular horror movie. Yeah. Like, cause there was times watching Hereditary, I was thinking about Neil LeBute's The Wicker Man. I was thinking about like, mm-hmm. like these movies that like, otherwise like, it seems like you never know how critical consensus is going to work, but mm-hmm. like. Or like, let's say like what happened with Mother, where like people hated yeah. on this movie, and though like Mother's awesome, and like Hereditary, people think it's awesome, but I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, this is like a weird yeah. movie. It's got some really good like visual moments, but like they're mm-hmm. so like fleeting, and the build to get to those things are so like, it's just like trash. Like it's t- it's a totally trash movie that's like mm-hmm. presented as a like prestige f- movie. And like I'm like I'm baffled by it. I'm like mm-hmm. absolutely baffled by the reaction because usually I feel like this is a movie that I I'm usually on the inside of thinking is great, and everyone else mm-hmm. is telling me it's bad. But now mm-hmm. I'm on the outside being like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. So I'm 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 glad to hear your opinion finally on this. And uh, yes, my viewing was tainted, but I think I don't I see. I, said, but I completely don't think your yeah. viewing was tainted. I, I think I think you're. Uh, expectations of going into it were like because uh, like, that's, that's how I felt. I felt because like, well, like I didn't. I, all I knew is after you told me that people were laughing, but I've read other people say that their mm-hmm. audiences turned on this movie too and were laughing out loud and stuff like that. And I'm like, I think that's the only sane reaction. Like because like the presentation, like there's scenes mm-hmm. of like Tony Collette, like just like showing up in like her son's bedroom, and you're just like, what? Like like it's so mm-hmm. weirdly repetitive and like kind of not good. But like it's yeah. like, what is this? Like if people should be laughing at like fake out dream sequences and stuff like that mm-hmm. well so i i get what you mean and uh like so audience that i watched it with aside in my review i even s- said i was like i don't know like if i'm biased or not or if like this changed my opinion but I, even when i watched it i was just kind of warm on it right like because i was like i feel like i see the influences here uh like i was like i feel like he took things from like rosemary's baby yeah and kill list and uh, there was one other one that I, while I was watching it, I was like, man, this reminds me of like that movie so much. And it's like, I get that you take your favorite parts of other movies. Like everybody does that. Like good filmmakers do that too. But I feel like it's so transparent once you've seen a lot of those movies. And then I feel like, so like oh, what you're saying, some... where all these people are like, it's like the most, I, I've seen a lot of really pretentious, like bogus fucking reviews of this movie where it's like the last 20 minutes will leave you breathless it's like it's the most terrifying stuff you will ever see and it's like people (laughs) like that it's like have you never watched a fucking horror movie before like 
so like I don't I don't know. I'm 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 with you, man. Okay. I am. So way I'm back when I'm trying to remember like our conversations about the movie at the time, where like yeah. you were like, there's a point where like I think like you were like Jared. There's a, there's a time where like I re- I figured out what was going on, and I'm sure you'll yeah. have the same experience. And I'm pretty sure it's like when she's at the grief council thing and she's just like telling the story about like her like dark family history that like all these horrible things happen you're like well yeah because her mom's like it's so clear like what's going on like there's no mystery it's just kind of like yeah no that's that's what's happening and then the whole movie's like okay well obviously she was like part like she's like part of some sort Mm -hmm. of like uh occult group that's doing things it's like vague what those things actually are um but i don't know i don't know yeah i'm i'm with you man like that's a i don't know i think i was maybe like 20 minutes in and i looked at ham meat and i was like i was like dude did you ever watch kill list or like rosemary's baby or like this other movie and he was like he's like i've seen one he's like why i was like i was like i don't know i was like i'm getting a lot of a lot of these vibes from this movie (laughs) and then it's like you said there there are like there are some scenes that are like very visually striking and I think he's a, he's pretty like competent director. He knows like how to move the camera around and I feel like his, uh, the way he lays things out, he's, he's pretty good at, but, uh, there's also other things where when you're watching, you're like, it's like you kind of said, it's, it's comical borderline, like goofy where Mm -hmm. you're just like, is this, is this a comedy? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't totally understand like all of the uh, the high praise on it is either. I know like uh, one friend of the show, um, or a couple people that like I'm friends with. They they actually like it quite a bit. But then there's a lot of people I'm friends with who don't like. Hammy didn't like it, and that dude likes everything. <laughs> like he he like honestly he'll watch anything and be like, yeah, I liked it, and I'll be like, all right, cool. But uh, he didn't even like it. And I was like, whoa, shit. I was like, if Hammeat doesn't like this, maybe uh, maybe there's something to it. But yeah, Hereditary is a weird one. Are you excited for Ari Aster's uh, next movie about Americans that stumble ac- across a pagan occult again? Uh, is that really what his next thing is? That is what his next movie is. Mid- Midsommar? Yeah. That's what a, his next a young movie couple is. travels to Sweden to visit their friend's rural hometown and attend its midsummer festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly descends into a bizarre and violent competition at the hands of a pagan cult, starring uh, a bunch of people I don't know. Yep. Oh, William oh. Jackson Harper. People have been all on about that fella. Hey, uh, regardless of that, did you find that short film? And I use short liberally because it's like 28 minutes. But yeah. his short film, The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, did you find that like borderline ridiculous? What do like, you mean? It, it's ridiculous. Of course it's ridiculous. <laughs> but like, like, I don't think I don't think there's any like so many people comment on it. And they're like, man, this is like you said, it's like this is fucked up. This is crazy. It's so scary. It's like, no, it's not. It's like it's so stupid. I, I, guess, like, I guess there's not I mean it's so ridiculous because it's like it has like such audacity to present this material like mm-hmm. so straight but it's like not because it's like so kitschy and uh, mm-hmm. that's like where hereditary like 
everything about like Gabriel Byrne in this movie, it's like he's like ridiculous. <laughs> like everything about him because he's like I'm just like the one like these these edits to him just like sitting at a desk drinking his fucking bourbon and it's like he's so run down. And then what happens to him? He's like and the daughter who's like there's no mm-hmm. comment about like her like appearance other than it's like I guess. Uh, my conclusion is like, oh, it's like the demon manifesting inside of her body, mm-hmm. waiting for the opportunity well, to get out. <laughs> there's that. And then there's stuff like I was thinking when I saw you watch this on the weekend, I was like trying to remember stuff. And all I could think of was like stuff that I thought was really dumb. I was like, I don't know if that even made sense, like in terms of the movie, like what? where like the son is like hallucinating that he sees himself. And it's like, oh, oh well, it's because his yeah. body's getting taken over. No, when but he looks like, in the me- when he not- looks in the reflection yeah. in this, oh, well, it's like the, like I don't know, like how could you not like watch that and just like start laughing? That's like thing. That's why mm-hmm. I think this movie's like, it is like right on the line of a like a fine movie, like it's where it's like it's average, mm-hmm. it's fine, and the bad movie. Um, cause yep. it was like, I mean, when it gets to the ending, like I, that, that's the part I enjoyed the most. And I've actually seen some people who like liked it until like the last 20 minutes and they're like, Oh, then the movie just gets stupid and hackneyed and mm-hmm. like every other thing. But like, that's the part like, I kind of enjoyed cause there's like some pretty good visuals in there. The um, naked people. well, yeah, you, you had been building that one up for a while for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you like, kept talking about it, and I was like, "Well, go watch fucking Hereditary already." Like every week for like four not, weeks. But it's, not, but it's not the same. It's not the I same. Know. But it's like I get. I did see some people like laughing about this movie, where it's like, "Curiouser, old naked people aren't that scary." And I'm like, mm, "Well, these no, these, these, ones, these ones aren't though. They're kind of just like old flaccid people. It's not like in the movies that I've watched lately mm-hmm. where they're like actually threatening, fully um, erect." Uh, no floppy still, oh. but, uh, they're, but they're men- more menacing cause they're actually coming to get you. Whereas these, these naked people, they're just like standing around or kneeling at altars, mm-hmm. decapitations and mm-hmm. torsos it's- and stuff. That's yeah, cool. It's, there's like stuff about it that are like, okay, but man, I, I don't think this is that good. This isn't even get out good. Mm. And you don't even like it out. Well, I, I find it's fine. Get out's yeah. okay. It's it, that see that movie has got some good comedy in it. Um, That's true. But uh, yeah, it's wave. It's wave. Like it's because it's actually like well intentioned, good humor. Whereas mm-hmm. Hereditary, I don't know if I'm like in on the joke or I'm like this is like because like, to me it's a comedy. Um, it's yep. like a horror comedy, but it doesn't present itself <laughs> that way. It's an awkward thing. I don't know how well this thing's going to age. I'll be really curious to see. It's already on so many best I know. all-time horror films, which is horseshit. Just, you just can't... like, just like uh, the Babadook and uh, <sighs> Get Out, like all the movies that people pick. This is the one, this is the pick of the litter. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I would I, the Witch for some people might be in there, but I think actually Witch was actually really effective and spooky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of those four, the Witch is the only one that I would say even deserves to be in yes. the talk of like I agree. a list like that. But yeah, and I, I'd have to go back to like mm-hmm. if we were, again, this is more a ghoul school talk. But yeah. I'm trying to think that like the last few years, like Kill List really does stand out to me as like one of the best horror movies in the last ten years. Like mm-hmm. as far as like a movie that like if I get if I had a go to of like hmm hey what movie should I watch from the like from 2011 up it's like a kill list and then like because yeah. I think I think Martyrs is like 2009 so it, it falls outside something of that. like that but yeah like, I don't know the movies that people like I don't know there's some podcasts I was listening to and they're talking about how like every year people complain about this is like a terrible year for movies but then it's like mm. I can name five great movies that came out this year alone and I go go on <laughs> like name mm-hmm. these said movies please because hereditary really uh the Babadook well no uh, 
yeah. th- this year though. It's like what 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 are the hor- these horror movies that people yeah. are talking about? Because like I watch I I try to watch these things and I go yeah no this doesn't have the legs. <laughs> well, I'll uh I'll let you uh, keep talking, but uh, that just kind of reminded me uh, again, Hammy, because me and him have had many conversations of Hereditary, and he's like, I hate the way they present this shit now. He's like, he's like, it's like they're saying it. It's the Babadook of Babadook movies. Like, that's the way they present it. And like I thought that was really dr- like funny. Like family dramas? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're right. That is how they present all these things now. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, when I was watching Hereditary, I was like, you know what? I wish I was just watching Kill List. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, with some subtitles. You gotta watch that yeah. Kill List with some subtitles. You gotta watch it with subtitles. Yeah. It's impossible. It's, it's got those real northern accents. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I, uh, I don't know how I feel about these movies. I, I think they, sure. are, like I said, they're right on that line, but uh, not like strong recommendations or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's not a recommendation though? So I watched what? this movie here called Possum. Um, oh, oh, I didn't know you watched that. Yeah. So this popped up, and mm-hmm. I didn't really like. I, I watched the trailer for it, and I'm like, whoa, that's some real sad bastard cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the thing that like really turned it around for me was uh, the director, who, uh, whose name is mm-hmm. escaping me right now. But I'm going to pull it up. Matthew right Holness. Now. Matthew Holness, who is the man who brought us this great uh, BBC uh, TV show called Garth Marenghi's uh, Dark Place, mm-hmm. uh, which was like him pretty much doing like a, a character, like kind of like modeled on a like Stephen King, but more like a Dean Coons, uh, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm kind of author who's like now got his own tv show in the 80s and the show was made in the 2000s and it was like kind of a, a piss take on those like shitty like 80s tv shows and like right. doing it like it's like with the bad effects and weird acting and bad editing it was like it's like that type of humor uh it's not for mm-hmm. everybody but i like i loved uh dark place when that show was on and uh Matthew holness has kind of done a few like short films here and there and i, I believe this is his first feature film um, but, uh, yeah, it definitely feels like that. Um, mm-hmm. because yeah, this is not a good time. Now I will say if this movie had come out, uh, when I was, uh, 20, 18, mm. 20 years old back in 2002 around, uh, I would have thought this movie was amazing when it was, it would be mm-hmm. everything I wanted in movies. Um, cause it's like, it's very similar to like David Cronenberg's spider, which I don't know if you've ever seen. No, I haven't. It's okay. You're not, you're not missing out. Okay. So what it is, is these movies are about like these isolated loner weirdos in like, kind of like industrial, empty existential wastes. And they're like just traumatized, messed up people that have no social skills and they have some weird occupation about them. Uh, also there's spiders involved. Um, Mm. so this one, uh, our main boy here, he, uh, he's like a, he's a puppeteer who is working on some kid show until some like scandal causes him to like lose his job because he started making creepy puppets essentially but mm-hmm. uh the whole thing is that like he's he's messed up for some reason and it's pretty obvious when you meet his stepdad what that reason probably is and uh he returns to like in like just like this like hideously overproduced like decrepit like house that he like lived in and where mm-hmm. he was like raised by his stepfather 
And uh, a kid goes missing in the area, and he's like a weird-looking dude walking around in a long brown coat, and everyone's like, always like, "Hey, Peta, what are you doing over there?" <laughs> and it's like, "Yep, yeah, that's how that, that's how that goes when you look <laughs> hey, weird." Peta, Peta, <laughs> a pervert. Yeah, lots of that. Oh, Peto. Peto. I thought you just said Peter, and I was like, "That's funny." I thought that was funny too. Oh. Well, hey, Peter. P- hey, hey, Peter. No, good no. stuff. So everyone thinks he's a pervert and a pedophile. And then there's like, well, is he? Is he going crazy? Because then you see what possum is. And it's like this like giant like spider puppet that he's made that's got this like creepy face on it that's like his face. And mm. it like, no matter how he destroys it, it keeps coming back. And it's like, but is it all in his head? And this thing is just like an hour and a half long. If it was like a 20 minute short, it would be fine. But this feels like a 20 minute short stretched out to feature length. Yeah. And it's just like endless. It's a uh the best way of describing it is like British miserableism. Uh it's mm-hmm. just like dre- it is dreary and miserable. There's no character to it. Um but like I think if you watch this movie early on when you're like kind of getting into movies, this movie's probably like awesome. Like it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of movies like this that get made and they're not because most people don't enjoy watching these things. And mm-hmm. um I mean I still like am up for these types of movies, but I don't even think this is a very good example of this type of thing. Um mm-hmm. it just just kind of felt one note didn't go anywhere so that was a bummer because it's got a pretty evocative poster um and like i said matthew holness is a pretty i mean he's done some good stuff in the past so it's too bad that he struck out here um but then rj Mm -hmm. i followed this up by going to the theater for the first time since may of this year wow and i saw the sisters brothers Hey, that sounds like a cool show. I like the guys that are in that show. Yeah, this movie is stacked to the brim mm. with some quality actors, some performers, and this movie is awesome. I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, uh, it's the best movie I've seen this year of 2018 um, as far as like what's mm. come out. Uh, I put it above Isle of Dogs. Um, because I, I like I like those western westerns. I like those odors. Um, and like the white o- odors is the old people would like to call westerns. Like the way they smell. Uh, sure. I don't follow, but keep going. I'm o- not gonna. I'm o- not gonna hold this up. O, o- a t e r s. I don't a, know what that means, but you uh, I, 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 I explained it. So anyway, uh, yeah, Sisters Brothers. Uh, it's based on a Canadian novel that got was that was a big deal in Canada anyway in 2011. John C. Mm-hmm. Riley bought the rights for this movie and uh, was involved with developing it, starring himself uh, as the main lead brother. Um, Joaquin Phoenix plays his brother, and uh, they are essentially murderers, paid killers that like do things for a a man an old man and uh who's rich and they take care of business traveling around the uh pacific northwest or wherever they need to go uh and yeah they just do whatever without asking any questions uh there's a bit more to that than that uh they're sent on their latest uh caper which involves uh basically extracting a man uh with the help of jake gillenhall who's uh a third Mm. who's like a third party to them and then uh, things kind of transpire from there. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Just like part of the movie is just like going into it, kind of experiencing it and letting it play out. But yeah, this movie's terrific. Uh, it's like the acting is awesome. Uh, it's really well written. It's like very like episodic in, in some ways, but hmm. like, it has one main story, one main thrust. Yeah. And uh, yeah, great cinematography, great pacing. Uh, 
I like was totally encaptured with the whole movie. What pisses me off, RJ, and I've been kind of talking about this a little bit in the last few months, is that no one has huh? watched this movie on Letterboxd. Like all the people I follow, mm. no one's watched this movie. Um, it's terrific. Not enough people are talking about it. I think it's better than like probably a lot of shit that people are all fucking all tripping over themselves to promote. And uh, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because people are racist against Westerns. They, they don't have a, mm. an affinity for it. I don't know. Because I think this movie is like super good. Um, How good? Super. Yeah, but people suck, man. I don't know. But it's like I can't – like the whole reason I use things like Letterboxd is I want to find out about movies. I want I want to like – Find well, maybe you're that for out. other people, though. Well, it's, I guess, but like that's a lot of. I don't want to carry that weight around, and like I don't see tons of movies. I I, I spend my time watching like obscure crap that no one should be watching, and then like mm-hmm. so I come out of my shell, be like, well, Sisters Brothers. I wanted to watch no matter what, just because John C. Riley's uh, my boy, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and this movie's like great. And I'm like, why are people not talking about this? Why are people not enthusiastic or excited about this movie? So that bums me out. I don't know if it just didn't play very well elsewhere or just didn't open up very many places because maybe like here in creepsville we're in cowboy country so maybe it'll do great mm. here i don't know if that's a a, a reason because this movie played at the main theater and this and the second run which is where i saw it and it's possible. Uh, i don't i don't get it well the thing jared is that no one likes you yeah and and they're and, cons- and they're conspiring by like not yep. seeing good movies or like seeing the things that I want to know about, mm-hmm. I have to spend my time going to it and discover for well, myself. I would just say, I would just say that maybe you are that for other people, mm. and maybe you have to be selfless in this one thing where it's like, I know you want to find other movies via Letterboxd and other people, but maybe maybe that's you, man. Look, maybe that's you. Look within yourself. Yeah, the answer is inside. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, Sisters Brothers, folks, excellent movie. Check Sounds it out. Cool. Okay, uh, and then there's a big step down here, but I continued Uh-oh. watching some 2018 movies. I watched that Cam movie uh, that, oh, yeah. that, that that popped up on Netflix here. Uh, it's a Blumhouse movie, RJ. Yeah. It, it's about uh, well, it's like a, I think it's more they distributed it. I don't know if they had like they put any real money into this thing because this movie's mm-hmm. like done cheap. Like it's like a uh, basic number of characters that they need. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything's done on like a handful of sets. Very like low key. So in that sense, it's actually a fairly well done, like independent, small little movie. Um, hmm. It's like, Hey RJ, have you ever watched perfect blue? <laughs> uh, yes, have, I have watched perfect. Blue. Have you ever seen black Swan? Oh, that movie. Yes. I have seen black Swan. Yeah. So cam is like those two movies, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's like a derivative of those things. It is a okay movie. Mm. It's about a cam girl. And uh, it starts off with her, like, with her performance and her, like, trying to, like, become popular online, mm-hmm. getting those tokens from the poor <laughs> perverts, Marxy, Marxy dudes who are, like, Ooh, all perverts throwing their money, their tokens at these cam girls to, like, help choose what dildo they're going to masturbate with uh, on, on, their web, on their webcam. And uh, that's that, that's what these girls do. And they make money doing it. And they make a comfortable living, I guess, uh, debasing themselves in front of lecherous perverts in the safety of their own home hey can i interrupt you for a second i'm going to whether you say okay or not okay. do you think i could have that job but like not sex well, stuff like you know the... those feederism people could i just be like a feeder where 
I'll get like McDonald's and Burger King and I'll film myself and yeah, then dude, you you already got that bear look. I mean, you could totally do it. Do you think people would pay me? I, there's hey, there's a market for everything. Cuz I can eat like Have you ever told you like how like sometimes when I'm walks I think about like new porn, like new ideas. I'm like, what, what's a new thing that someone could get into? Like something that hasn't been invented yet. You know, sometimes I have these mm. ideas, but I'm keeping those to myself. I'm not giving away my say, ideas. No, they're Don't mine. bring that up on the pod because we might want to do that later. Yeah. I guess where the real money's at. Yeah. Send us your, your ideas for that, new porn, but also with a statement that says we are allowed to take like a hundred percent of financial yeah. gain from it. That's right. Got to yep. get on that game. So yeah. So cans about this girl, she's doing her <laughs> thing. Uh, you get introduced to kind of like the weirdos and the perverts and like sad men that are uh, mm. doing this thing. Mm. And then one day she goes to log on to her account, but she, <gasps> but she's locked out. And she's like, what's going Shit. on? I can't log on. My passwords are right. What the hell's going on? And then she like goes to the website and she's that she's logged on and live. And then she goes to the video and it's her and she's performing. And uh, what? yeah. Right? What? I know. Blows my that's, mind. It's fucked up, bro. Yep. So that's where the the mystery part of the story begins. Uh, mm. It has no real conclusion. You never actually find out why this is happening. Uh, spoilers. Uh, it's like a internet ghost AI thing that like just is doing a, this. A cool internet ghost or a lame one? Uh, it well it doesn't do any spooky thing other than just like it, it finds identities and then it adopts them and then it becomes loved. I guess I don't know. It's all <laughs> very that, like, I don't know. It, it becomes be- loved. Is well, that actually yeah, what it is? Kind of because it's like all these Aww. dudes are, like get into her because like now it's like a it's a it's like a AI like girl so mm-hmm. she can like do like do you want me to shoot myself in the head and it's like she doesn't die because she's not real and uh you get a face off between real girl and ai digital girl it's uh, all very odd and convoluted but sounds cool it's fine to watch it's like nothing special like i don't think yeah. this would be much up your alley like this is like a bare minimum of like this was competent and okay but it's just like it's fine for netflix um, yeah. I, so I followed up this dark web film <laughs> with uh, another piece of dark webbing called Unfriended Dark Web. Is that the one with the uh, John Chow? Is it? I don't know. Oh, who's, no, wait. That, who's that? Uh, you know the Harold and Kumar dude? Yeah. Oh, you're thinking of Searching. Oh, okay. I'll be watching. What is this one? Okay. I'll be watching Searching later. <laughs> okay. I got it on the list. Okay, so Unfriended Dark Web. So this is like a spiritual sequel to uh, also Blumhouse's Unfriended, which was like a movie about like a bunch of like teenage girls and like social media. Uh, I'm, I think it's like a desktop movie as well, where like the whole mm. – all the action takes place on a desktop. Mm. So – oh, no, but okay. So Unfriended Dark Web, it takes place uh-huh. on a uh, a MacBook Pro – and no, but it, you know what? Okay, this movie is pretty cool. Like I don't know. Come on, I, I'm not. I'm not kidding, man. So th- it works really well because it's like I, I was reading one guy, like an actual paid film critic, talking about how it's really interesting how this movie, just like with one screen, basically does exactly what movies do, but it's just like plays out obviously in one frame. I don't know if you ever watched mm-hmm. that Open Windows movie with Elijah no. Wood. Okay. No. Uh, that movie's the same idea. It's like, so there's a bunch of like filmmakers who are trying out this idea because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people can just 
like it looks right like when you're watching these screens like i don't know how this stuff ages uh i made the comment the other week about uh that short film vape i watched about like hey maybe you should like future proof what you're making Mm -hmm. um but these films are like uh i don't think i don't know how these things are going to age but uh if you do it well whatever (laughs) that's that's the important Mm -hmm. thing this thing could be like the most hilariously aged thing in like five years it's fine i enjoyed it right now um so this story it's about a dude who says he bought this new laptop uh on Mm -hmm. craigslist but in fact he just found it in a lost and found at the internet cafe he works at he's just a guy he's like a 20 something year old dude he's dating this girl who is deaf and Mm -hmm. but he's also like he's really into this girl and he wants to find a way to communicate with her so he's actually like developed his own software app thing that basically takes sign language that he's pieced together and it like automatically does translation stuff for her but this isn't good and this but she's but this isn't good enough for her she's like really frustrated with how this guy's like just avoiding like doing the hard work so so to get the relationship to work and Mm -hmm. uh so the reason he so what happened was he actually stole this laptop and uh because it's it would work better than his actual laptop that's older and he's still having problems but of course he starts like like wondering hey everything on this computer keeps crashing um so a lot of this movie takes place on Skype, because uh, in mm. in, in, <laughs> it's Blumhouse, and mm-hmm. um, it's like a bunch of friends, and they're all hanging out one night, uh, the same night, and they're going to play Cards Against Humanity. See, it's a bunch Ugh. of like twenty-something assholes, all like mm-hmm. being hilarious, making popping each other. It's like very true. They're doing what? They're making each other laugh and like, oh, is it Cards Against Humanity? Oh. Hilarious. That that sort of shit. That sure. Fuck that game. That's stupid. But it's hey, like continue. whatever. Tons of people yeah, play this game. Yeah, I, I know. You know what I mean. So anyway, it's, uh, the buzz has died off. You're okay. Oh yeah, because now it's in stores. Like the 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 yeah. uh, the mystery of that game is all gone. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, it's very real. This is what people do. This is a pretty good, accurate reflection of how people hang out. But what happens is he's like, oh, this is weird. But of course, he's conveniently friends with people who are really like online, who like know about computers, and another one's like does a YouTube channel where he complains about things. Anyway, uh, he's like, why is this computer all slow and stuff like that? And then, of course, like this laptop has all these like Facebook accounts that are like like saved passwords. And he just like opens one up just to check it out. And then all these things start popping up. And he's like, oh, that's weird. And then someone keeps messaging him. Who is this? Who is this? And he's trying to like chat through it. And uh, he opens up the hard drive that's like in a hidden folder. And he finds like this huge cache of files of just like videos of people that have been snapped off of like surveillance cameras and like webcams and stuff like that. He's like kind of fallen into apparently a hacker's computer. Mm, and so is it gross. No, nothing like too gross. Then, but oh, then there's no snuff stuff on. Oh, there. of course there's snuff stuff. RJ, come on. <laughs> well, like, I wasn't sure. Uh, of course it does. It's called unfriended dark web. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's where this thing takes a turn. It's like all like you know, it's it's coming, but it's like very mm-hmm. slowly built. Um, there's like some like kind of like tour like um, like uh, outside the internet infra intranet bullshit with like a network of a cadre of like snuff filmmakers and they find mm-hmm. out and there's like oh uh, it's it's so convoluted and enjoyable because it's like you're on a carnival ride and uh it's just like lots of hooded figures appearing behind people while they're on their computer that you can see and people like no no stop it <laughs> people getting swatted uh 
Uh, it's <laughs> it's got all sorts of uh, great gems and all these people are just like. So the the big thing about this movie that makes it stand out for me is just how like fucking dark and like nihilistic and unrelenting it is. <laughs> like there's no like happy endings in this thing. It's just like mm-hmm. people are just like taken down. It doesn't quite play out like a slasher or anything like that, but it's just like oh. Things aren't going to go well for these poor saps, and it just kind of goes down the toilet. So mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I'd like I've seen some people like shit on it a little bit. I think everyone the one agrees that it's way better than the first movie, which I never watched. But uh, mm. I thought this was a good time. I thought it was better than Cam. Uh, I would say that if you're looking for like a, a contemporary, like kind of like trashy uh, horror thing, this might mm-hmm. be up your alley. Hmm. Well, I'm not. No. And I'm not gonna watch it. That's okay. You should. I mean, you'd probably enjoy it. <laughs> it it's, Do it's, you think so? I think I think so because it's just ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. yeah. We'll see. It's it's fun, RJ. I thought you were all about fun. <clears throat> uh, I am about fun, but uh, the kind of fun that a guy can have in his basement. Yeah. On a laptop, but not a MacBook. If it was like if it was an Acer or something, I would I would have found it believable. You, you find it relatable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then RJ, I watched mm-hmm. Unsane, directed uh, by Steven Soderbergh. Is that the cell phone movie? Yep. Yeah, the movie yeah. shot on some iPods and iPhones or whatever. Is it um, any good? Ah, it's like okay. It's like Cam yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, because he shot it this way, um, like where he shot it on like these like iPads, it doesn't look very good. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's like. I mean, you could tell that he's, like, good at laying out movies and stuff like that. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Steven Soderbergh's movies, like uh, The Ocean's Eleven. Uh, I know. Uh, the, the, the tra- I know Steven we'll, Soderbergh. We'll, we'll, we'll be watching Traffic soon. Um, yep. So, like, this movie is, like, very it's naturalistic. Um, mm-hmm. But this movie is, like, it, it's kind of like Shock Corridor, but oh. but stripped out. <laughs> like, but it, there is, like, literally, like, a Shock Corridor, like, storyline in this movie but it's like not even the main <laughs> thing uh the main thing and i posted this on the instagram feed is uh this movie's about a stalker and mm. uh that stalker is played by this bearded dude with double bar glasses and i was like who is this guy and i mm-hmm. looked it up i'm like oh it's josh from the blair witch project <laughs> <laughs> like that's like oh this is something he's in now and he's like completely unrecognizable that's cool yeah so this movie's like what's her name claire foy or something like that she's the main actress in this uh you're wrong uh yeah it is claire foy okay uh anyway she uh she's an uptight high-strung woman she's having some problems mm-hmm. uh she she had a stalker she's running away from that stalker who she's had a court order on she's moving on with her life but still mm-hmm. like in in the corner of her eye sometimes she looks at somebody and she sees the face of her stalker and it's getting to her she goes mm-hmm. to see a psychiatrist uh, at a clinic she looks up to just, like, get some therapy or starts going into some, like, kind of, like, weekly treatment, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets asked, like, well, have you ever thought about killing yourself? And she's like, well, you know, yeah, I guess. And then she's, like, signed some forms about, like, just, like, getting setting up this idea of, like, coming in once a week. But it turns out she has signed a, like, voluntary, like, commitment form. So mm-hmm. she now can't leave the clinic. Um, she turns a little violent as she wants to leave Ooh. and she's being held against her will, which is then again, again, is used against her to make her then stay a full week. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's like talk about like how it's uh, very in a Soderbergh political move. There's like uh, these ramifications that like these clinics do it on purpose and like mm. because because it's like a insurance scam essentially where it's like yeah as soon mm-hmm. as the insurance company won't pay you to be here anymore we'll let you go and then you'll be sane. Um, anyway, but that's like not you think that oh maybe that's like the thrust of the story and it's like I don't know I'm personally have always been kind of like terrified of the idea of like being accused or being thought of insane and then like having to deal with that and like you can't mm. leave now uh, yeah I don't know like I think that's like a not crazy uh, idea <laughs> but uh, I mean yeah. the fact that it, I mean I've heard of it like happening to people like it doesn't it's not like impossible but yeah mm-hmm. i mean i don't know what's like what turn my life would have to take for me to wind up in that situation for it to be like a reasonable fear there's no there's nothing in, in your life that's going to cause that to happen it's just whenever i decide to let loose yeah. my plan yeah to like set the dominoes so, in out. <laughs> yeah it's all been set up i mean this isn't a real podcast jared this wow. frank solano this <laughs> ryan nagel yeah. This Josh and Oliver, these aren't real people. I just email into you. All these plays, all these uh, downloads, they're all just... Well, where do you think they come from? Why do you think I don't have a job? <laughs> oh, I've never... Yeah, I've never seen you at that job. Yeah, yeah. What do you think's going on, Jared? <laughs> I like that. I like that. You can keep doing that. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. So, insane. Uh... I don't know. So I kind of like went into this movie kind of already knowing that like I already knew what the twist was because it's like, well, of course, there's like the twist is there's no twist. And um, uh, spoilers. <laughs> so this movie. Yeah, I don't care. You don't. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, you don't need to watch this movie. For everyone so, else. So what, so what happens is she gets committed. And of course, she sees a guy and like, you know, the setup is over the corner of her eyes. She sees her stalker. She's like, oh, God. And she kind of does her mm-hmm. thing. She closes her eyes and she opens it up. And he's still there. And she's like, you fucking psycho. You followed me in here. And everyone's like, oh, and just the guy's like, I have no idea what she's talking about. She, and she's just like, oh, she's going crazy. But it turns out it is her stalker mm-hmm. who, who, who just happened to go get a job like, like at, at the clinic. And, and he's like driving her crazy so he can have her to herself, to himself. It's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is ludicrous and, uh, I don't know, like everything about the Josh guy. Cause like, as you might know, I'm a sucker for like creepy bearded double bar guys. They kind of remind me of like, yeah. if you remember old Nick in room, he's like, uh, very similar. Old Greg. Old Greg. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. About old Nick in room. Yeah. Yes. Keep going. Keep going. Continue. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like weirdo. Like it's like, he's like mm-hmm. gross old white bearded men they're delusional and kidna- yeah. they, they don't mind kidnapping some women and stuff like that it's a it's a real subgenre they're developing um mm-hmm. yeah this movie's like fine like it again yeah like it holds it holds your attention uh you'd never watch it again it seems like every time i bring this movie up to somebody they go oh yeah that and i'm like huh does this movie's like uh reputation precede it like i don't know no one like this movie mm-hmm. goes kind of like a talked about thing when it came out but it's eight months later no one cares at all like people have completely moved on. And that kind of in some ways describes Steven Soderbergh's career. It seems like there's a couple of movies of his that wind up sticking, but so much of it is just like, oh yeah, he did that thing. Uh, he did this movie called Bubble, which was about this woman working in a doll factory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and no one talks about that movie, but these are the movies that I like stick with me for some reason of his, his weird little side movies that he just tosses out there. I don't know. Uh, last movie I'll just mention that I also watched uh, for some 
fucking reason. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a movie called Big Legend. Uh, uh, Jared. This is a Bigfoot movie. Mm, keep uh, going. This is a no-budget movie. Uh, it's just there. I saw somebody watch this on Letterboxd. This is where I'm maybe frustrated. I'm like, what? This person talked about mm-hmm. this in, like, okay terms. I'm like, maybe I'll watch this. It's like a serious Bigfoot movie. I could go down for one of those. But mm. I've also seen the movie Backcountry, the movie mm-hmm. about uh, the serious, like, forest movie about a couple going into the woods and being tracked down by a bear. And I'm like, that movie's, like, really well made. And Big Legend is not. It's, like, comically bad with, like, these, like, hilariously cruddy jump scares that like are just like blatant jump scares um yeah this movie is completely without any merit and like probably most uh squatch movies could just remain unwatched sadly because i'd love to watch a good bigfoot movie but it just seems impossible what's hilarious though is this is the fourth bigfoot movie that has lance henriksen in it because lance henriksen apparently just keeps coming back to bigfoot movies Time Mm. after time. What's cool about this movie, and I put cool in quotes, is uh, the movie ends on a, like, uh, Marvel-like, like, like, teaser note of, like, there's going to be more to come. There's a... (laughs) And, like, it's just, like, even a promise that they will return in, like, the Monster Hunters or something like that. Or the Monster Mm. Chronicles. And I'm like, I wonder what the chances are that that thing ever gets made. I wonder. Doubtful. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it'll be like uh, the Masters of the Universe 2 movie that never came out. Um, I hate all of that. Uh, are you going to watch Lumberjack Man now because you watched this thing? No. Absolutely, yeah, you shouldn't. Absolutely not. That movie's a real piece of shit. Yep. Hey, RJ. What's That's up? it for me. Got, you got any news for me? Did I ever tell you about uh, how Liam Neeson said that that horse recognized him on the set? Did yeah. I bring that up on yeah, the show? Yeah, I believe you did. Okay. Did you see last week when uh, Guillermo del Toro tweeted about all his failed uh, movie scripts or something? No. <laughs> Apparently, the tweet has been taken down, or I can't find it. Oh. Uh, I think it's taken down because I can't find it. But it was like, he's like, these are scripts that I I've uh, I handed in over the last 10 years. And it was all these movies like In the Mouth of Madness and all the things he's always talked about. And like he tweeted it out there. And I was like, what is this horse shit? Like getting out there, it's like, these are the things they wouldn't let me make, man. And there was a bunch of articles. It's like Guillermo del Toro just tweeted these, these things about his movies that they wouldn't let him make. It's like, that's crazy. He just won best director. <laughs> and I'm, I'll see if I can find it on Google instead. Oh, 17 completed scripts that were never made into films. Mm-hmm. All right, Jared, you ready for this? Yep. The Witches, Justice League Dark, Beauty and the Beast, At the Mountains of Madness, Fantastic Voyage, The Count of Monte Cristo, Mephisto's Bridge, Pacific Rim 2, very different, he says. Secret Project Untitled. Why okay. include that? Uh, superstitious. Uh, Nightmare Alley. Haunted Mansion. The Hulk Pilot. The Buried Giant. The Coffin. Drood. List of Seven. Mark Frost. And a few others. It's like, why Why even? Well, this doesn't even like, include say, uh, The Hobbit either. Why say anything? Oh, well, that got made. Well, he just yeah. bailed on it. That's all. Or he got fired off of it or whatever happened. Yeah. This guy's poison. 
He's he's like the most toxic fucking filmmaker I've ever seen. Wow. Everything he does. <laughs> well, everything he's attached to is either like shit or it never gets made. He killed that Jonji Ito uh, Kojima oh, yeah. game, which would have been the best fucking video game ever made. Well, because he, he was involved. Because he was involved. Uh, basically, what happened was that entire companies they were like, we're only going to make Plinko games in Japan now instead of... Uh, Video games and it was like, like oh, Konami, uh, yeah, that's con- well, yeah, and they got Yu Gi Oh, yeah, so but still, it's because well, he was it's, a- it's that or he's like the unluckiest man, it could be that too. Like, don't get me wrong, I think Guillermo del Toro looks like a super fun guy, yeah, he's all about monsters, he's yep. he's always like, Ugh, and he's like talking about like sex and up things, and it's like, oh, you sound like a cool dude, Guillermo, but uh, based on his track record, it just sounds like uh. It sounds like he's absolute poison to anything he touches. <laughs> well, see, the other dudes, uh, David Fincher's like kind of in the same boat for me, though. But David Fincher's actually yeah. made legitimately amazing movies. That's um, true. Wait, so, are you saying that A Shape of Water is not a legitimately amazing movie? Correct. One Best Picture. Yeah, I'm aware of a lot of movies of One Best Picture. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing, though. Blade 2 is a legitimately amazing movie. Oh, come on. No, Jarrett. Don't. We don't want to do this fight again, not no, on air. Don't do it. Hey, uh, we, this happened last week, uh, but during our internet problems, I didn't bring it up. Uh, so A24 films are coming to Canopy. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I think a lot of A24 stuff's on Netflix in Canada anyway, but uh, this is... In the new year? Or? Uh, yeah, apparently. Something like hmm. that. I just saw that in passing. And I was like, oh, cool. And then there's like another thing, that like cool. A24 apparently is going to some sort of developmental deal with Apple because they're going to be doing their uh, their platform, hmm. their their streaming shit. So, yippee! But I mean, you know what? A24's 2018 was no 2017 or 2016 for that is, matter. Is Cam an A24 movie? Well, no, it's uh, that's a Blumhouse. Oh, yeah. No, I, I just. Was, I- yeah. Whatever. And then there was like A24 that um well there's like that Burt Reynolds movie they made that's like no good and uh there's mm-hmm. like the, and their their western movie that's like The Ballad of Lefty something. Um and that like still oh, yeah. hasn't been released uh that I've seen. Like I don't know what, what happened mm-hmm. to that thing. So I don't know that that's really cool. Uh I looked up A24 on Netflix real quick and nothing came up, but I just remembered, you know why we started watching Harry Potter? Hmm. Because we watched one episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a Netflix show. Yeah. And Andrea said to me, I would rather just watch Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, because it was like in the very same vein, but it was very try hard. Like, look how edgy it is. So uh, never mind. I know that show's getting like real hot buzz right now, but. Um, this is like Riverdale, right? But like, yeah, but more horror So it's nothing special. But anyways, I. Uh, I was looking up 824 and that's what I saw. <laughs> There's like somebody like was talking about Riverdale the other day and they're like, yeah, in, uh, in this episode where like Archie just got out of jail <laughs> and I just burst out <laughs> laughing because <laughs> there's like everything it's about pretty, that is like funny. Archie just got out of jail. I'm like, okay, that's the world we live in now. Archie's going to jail. Andrea, like she usually likes stuff like that, but uh, she watched one episode of Riverdale and she's like, fuck no. It was like Archie was a construction worker, but he also had a guitar and he's like, I just, I like to write poetry, you know, but then he was banging the teacher, which was like Whoa. that old lady. But from sexed the co- up. Yeah, but like super sexed up yeah, and it's just like, is. ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. 
Uh, Netflix. That's it, different from May 24, but the... Speaking of Netflix, Daredevil was canceled, um, which uh, made me... Someone came across... I came across a Twitter thread that this, like, some insider type wrote explaining why Daredevil was canceled and just explaining why like people are like oh no it's because disney's loading up their disney plus lineup and they're going to mm-hmm. do all these new seasons it's like no they're not because these shows have all like passed their prime they're yep. old they're old shows now um and apparently mm-hmm. daredevil uh was like like the lowest viewers that they've had which you could tell by the amount of marketing they do for these shows now mm-hmm. um after the fiascos of like iron fist and the defenders which all came uh, out but like i mean i don't even remember the defenders ever coming out i think the only show that like hasn't been canceled yet that's holding on is jessica jones okay so andrew and i watched season one we thought it was really good we watched the first half of season two six months ago and we never finished it because we're like this show sucks now mm-hmm. so uh i don't know uh season one was really good but i think it's because david tennant and uh What's her, Kirsten Ritter had a really good chemistry together. And then in season two, they're like, what do we do now? To the point where it's like David Tennant came back as like a conscious conscience ghost in her head. And mm-hmm. it's just like, all right, that's where we've gotten to, huh? It's yeah. like you had to bring him back already. But I don't know. I didn't think season two was very good. We never finished it. Yeah. So there you go, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, apparently Netflix actually wanted to uh, shrink the number of episodes there were of Daredevil to make mm-hmm. it work. But uh, that would also mean that Disney would get paid less money to actually make the show for Netflix. And uh, that doesn't work in TV. So uh, those shows are dead. And I saw people being really like, oh, man, I feel bad for Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Because, oh, Who gives a shit? Oh, he was doing such great work. I mean, oh, man. It's like This is how people think. It's like bullshit. Hey, you don't give a fuck about him. You just want more of your content. You just want more of your shitty soap opera, like garbage television that you with, eat up. With, and hey, with hallway I, fights. I say, yeah, hallway fights. Jesus Christ! And that back, like that backflip thing where they kick down on people. That's in every Marvel show. It's total horseshit. And hey, I'll be the first to say, I love garbage, garbage TV. I watch it all the time, but. Shut up. No one gives a shit about Vincent D'Onofrio. No. He will just be in a new Blumhouse film where he's on Skype and he's like, his name is Bagul. Yep. That's all he does these days. That's all he does. And he's like burnt out fat cowboy guy or whatever in Magnificent Seven or something like that. I, I remember yeah. that. I remember that. Anyways, hey, that's our what? news. We got a movie to talk about. Oh, oh yeah. We're still recording. Oh, yeah. After the break, uh, I'm going to pour a bucket of water on RJ's head. And then I'm going to tell a dwarf about it. A who? A dwarf. Oh, okay.
time just like someone took a knife Baby, edgy and dull and cut a six-inch belly Through the middle of my skull At night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet And a freight train running through the middle of my head Only you can cool my desire This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about that obscure object of desire from 1977, directed by Louis Benwell. Uh, this film's tagline, Louis Benwell's masterpiece. Hmm. And the synopsis for this year film, after dumping a bucket of water on a beautiful young woman from the window of a train car, wealthy Frenchman Matthew regales his fellow passengers with the story of the dysfunctional relationship between himself and the young woman in question, a fiery 19-year-old flamenco dancer named uh, Conchita. What follows is a tale of cruelty, depravity, and lies, the very building blocks of love. <laughs> so RJ, Bunuel, mm-hmm. he's back. Yeah, as I stated last week in the outro, uh, this is like one of our high hitters so far. Yeah. He's got to be like number five for most frequent well, in the first hundred and thirty. He climbed up real quick too, because I mean, this is mm-hmm. uh, what three, three or four. Three. I'll be able to tell you because I've only yeah. seen Bun Wells for this initiative. Yeah, Chambermaid and uh, Discreet Charm. Discreet Charm, and then just this. Yeah, yeah. three. So it's three, but yeah. still, he is one of the heavy hitters. Now, he's like number five. Yeah, and, and it's all been in the later half. It's all in these, yep. like the 100 range. Okay, well, mm-hmm. this, RJ, is his final film before really? he... Yep, and he dies. Uh, this was what a, did he die of? I don't know. He 
He's old, I guess. Okay, good. Leave you, it you, at that. You tell me what uh, Wikipedia uh, says. But uh, so this is a first time watch for me. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I don't know if this movie had uh, my my main my, my main man Fernando Jesus. Ray. Uh, that guy is great. Uh, we remember him from oh, Discreet from Charm. Discreet yeah, and uh, he's the baddie in French Connection. Uh, and just all in all, like a, a renowned uh, European actor. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, I think this movie is pretty great, RJ. Uh, mm. it, it was actually, uh, it, uh, exceeded my expectations. I didn't know what I was going in to expect. Sometimes you watch a movie and you're just going to be like, yeah, I don't know. These criterions sometimes, you know, sometimes they're just kind of mm-hmm. there. Sometimes they're the element of crime, <laughs> but, oh God. so, um, yeah, man, I, I think this movie is really good. Uh, cool. I think actually of the three we watch, I think it's my favorite of the three. Um, I think it takes mm-hmm. everything that's kind of indiscreet charm of the bourgeoisie and it tightens it all up. Uh, because instead of like having like a bunch of different couples and stories kind of all going on simultaneously, uh, and a terrorist subplot, it decides, it takes what takes only one guy in his crazy story and all these like kind of vignettes and stuff like that has a framing device that actually ties directly into the story because it's actually part of the narrative. Uh, so instead of like the scenes of like the, the, the bourgeoisie people walking around in a field over and over again, uh, Mm -hmm. you get the scene with him actually telling the story to the people in the uh, train car. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, so this, this story we get, um, uh, how long did it take for you, RJ, to realize that, uh, Conchita was played by two different actors? I'm not going to lie to you, Jared. Yeah. Because I don't ever do that. I'm honest, even if it's embarrassing. I only realized it when you mentioned it just now. I didn't realize there was two actresses at all. Am I am I a hard R? Is there a reason <laughs> that I didn't realize this? Are you kidding me? I I had no idea. What? And, uh, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, um, what? When when does the switch happen? Is it like constant? Is it like at, it's effortless. It's like every scene, like every other scene, it changes. There's sometimes in a scene, the actors change. It's two different women. Jarrett? What? I had no idea. I had oh. no idea. I feel like this is going to come against me at some time by some oh, reviewer. Oh, RJ Bailog. In some way. Okay, listen. What? I didn't know. And I still don't know. And I'm going to look this up right now because I don't fully believe it. Oh. Oh. Hey, leave me alone, all right? <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, man. Let me see if I can oh. figure this out. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. You clearly weren't paying attention. Like, it's like, I watched the movie. How can you, it's two different women. They don't look alike at all. Okay. All right. So which scenes? Okay, I know Carol. Okay. I recognize her. She's the one who gets beat up. And she's in like those... Okay, and then Angela Molina. What's seen? Oh no, wait. Angela Molina is the one who gets beat up. Jesus, I have no idea. Oh my God, okay. Let me look at some pictures here. Let me see if I can figure this out. Do, do we need to like put this episode on pause so you can go watch the movie? Is is that? I did what? watch the movie. I know a lot about this movie. I like this movie. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Even though you missed like the most like 
fascinating like bit of like film in the filmmaking decision in it where it's like oh he just changes the actors like the actors between scenes and uh and it's like it adds to the frustration i guess of uh of matthew because he thinks he's got it nailed down but then she's uh, so capricious and just changes her mind you know how women are and uh, and it just adds to the, his his chasing will- of that desire that here's you just the can't thing. have, and you, but you, you didn't even notice that. Like, here's the, here's the thing. Oh my god. Here's the thing. Go on. I could have lied and said that I didn't notice until some point, but I wanted to be honest, even though this will be a huge strike against me forever. Yep. However, maybe I was so entranced by this movie that those small details, those local details jared <laughs> were not my focal point i was looking at the global details you know that old saying the trees for the forest oh my God. i was looking at the forest i wasn't looking at the trees has there ever been water this wet before too only only by lawrence fishburne and only a few people will get that reference but <laughs> i had no idea uh, I feel like these two women, I'm looking at them now, they have similar eyebrows. <laughs> and uh, oh. if, okay, don't ever tell Andrea this because she 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 gets on me all the time. Uh, I don't ever remember people's names. And she's like, it's because you don't give a shit about anyone else. And I'm like, no, that's not true. It's like, no, it's true. She's like, you never, it's like, you, I forget people's names like immediately. And she's like, it's because you don't care. It's like, I care. But, uh, I feel like this would probably file under her uh, her claim that I don't care. I feel like I'm pretty observant. This seems like such a, the strangest thing to me because you were always about like you always are like small looking, details. Yeah, you like you look at actors' faces and you're like this person looks like so and so, and I just can't mm-hmm. unsee that. And it's like yeah, so here it's like well these are the two different people playing the same character and they don't make there's no comment about it because no one else it's not a plot point. Like there's no attention brought to it other than the fact that you should notice that hey. This is the same person, but they're this, they're two different women playing the okay. same character. Okay, I'm looking now. There's a scene where they're both on the couch. I'm looking on uh, our boy uh, Fernando's uh, thing. So if you go between the pictures, you can tell. But it's just because of the nose. So one of the women oh, has the like a bigger too. bridge in the nose. Yeah. But they have they have similar eyebrows. They wear their hair different. That's true. But I thought that was part of I thought that was just part of her character because she's like kind of like scattered. She's all over the place. Oh baby. Well, whatever. You know what? I'm I'm gonna stand by it because uh, people don't own up to things that much. I had no idea. I watched this movie. I enjoyed this movie, and uh, I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. It's fine. (laughs) I had no idea, but there it is. Okay, well we got there that. We, we got that out of the way. Some people might not even realize it. Some, some. I would, I would like to know. Anyone listening to this, if you watched the movie first, did you realize? Yes, I didn't. They, they all did. They, everyone, no! everyone did, but you. You are, you are a unique snowflake here in this scenario. I. Well, that's I, fine. I, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm just on this next level. Jarrett, you ever heard the young kids say that next level shit? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Maybe that's me. Maybe. Maybe. So this movie right. this movie opens up. <laughs> Fernando Ray returning to the scene <laughs> of the crime. 
he's he's uh he's he's making plans. Actually, before that, he he makes some travel plans, uh, booking some mm-hmm. booking some train trips. He's leaving a town. He's very uh, sad. You don't know why. He goes back to this like you know this palatial rich man's house, and uh, his butler's like, "Oh, she's left." And he's like, "Oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's she can leave." And they start going around the room. He's like, "Oh, there's like blood all over this pillow." He's like, mm-hmm. "Ah, just burn it." He's like, "Uh, there's panties over here. Yeah, burn that too. Just throw it all out. Get it out of here." What about mm-hmm. these shoes? And it's like, yeah, I get rid of that as well. And then he um, goes and boards his train. And then he starts meeting the people he'll be uh, taking this long journey with, uh, inclu- including the uh, psychiatrist or psychologist dwarf. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a woman with her child and uh, a judge, some sort of lawman. Uh, is, that every- is that everybody in the train at the beginning? Uh, pretty well, yep. yeah. Yep. And of course, uh, we see this like uh, this beautiful young woman. She comes like looking around the train. Looks like she's got quite the shiner. And uh, Fernando Ray is mm-hmm. looking over at her and he's like, "Oh man, I don't want to deal with this right now." He makes some comments to like one of the train conductor types uh, on the train, and he's like, "Come on, you gotta get some money." It's all quiet dialogue. And then he leaves, and he returns with a bucket of water, which he then dumps all over her head. And he returns, and everyone's like, well, you, you look like such a respectable person. You wouldn't do this without, like, good reason. And he mm-hmm. begins to regale them with a the tale of this this man who uh, is a widower, and he's just kind of going through life and uh, settling in and doesn't know what to do, visiting a friend. And uh, he sees the new housemaids come along, and she's quite the catch. And he mm-hmm. starts making some motions toward her, making some moves, because, you know, he, he, it's, it's been a while for him. And, uh, hey, mm. you, you look at a fine piece of tail. You look uh, like you'd be uh, willing to do what I want, because I've got money. Are you talking but, to me, or are you talking about the movie? Well, I mean, I've got those Patreon dollars. I mean. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Just, just cashed out today, buddy. Um, and then, uh, so what happens is, throughout the rest of this film, it's uh, it's kind of like a cat and mouse chase mm-hmm. um between matthew and uh the his object of desire um conchita conchita uh i only know one conchita and it is that uh lady from two and a half men jared have you ever watched that show you know that lady i'm talking about i don't conchita okay it doesn't matter keep going so uh yeah this movie uh is just literally scene after scene vignettes of um, of Matthew's attempts of wooing this woman, and the absurdity of that, and the kind of the the dark humor, the 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 drawl humor that we've come mm-hmm. to expect from uh, Bunuel, his observation of humanity, um, and just like desperation, and like kind of how people get hung up on things like mm-hmm. irrationally. Uh, I think we've all been there at some point in our life with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you, maybe you, just me. Um, but yeah, it's just people do dumb things over and over again. Uh, and then we just has all these like little scenes here and there. I honestly like, I was just so caught up in this movie. I didn't really write a ton of notes. All I know is mm-hmm. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, it's a really well-told idea. It's, um, it's metaphorical and shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it, I don't know what it tells you about anyone in particular or anything. Uh, I think it'd be easy enough as uh, the who hates comments will reveal that this yeah. movie is like misogynistic and uh, mm-hmm. hateful toward women and stuff like that. But it feels like the idea there is that like Louis Benwell is saying all women are like this. And I don't think he's saying that at all. I think he's just saying that, like, this is a story. This is like one particular example of that. And uh, you look at these things as like, 
anyone could be in this position of something that they don't want. And then the other side is also in conflict with that. And they don't know what they want. And one person doesn't want it. And it just goes back and forth. And it, it doesn't have to make sense. It's just like a set piece for this whole movie to kind of transpire. Entertainingly so. Because uh, like, yeah, I thought this movie like is effortless to watch. Uh and really well made. Uh, there's these great little image flourishes in this thing that like I like quite a bit. Uh, one in particular that jumps out at me is there's a one of the so there's like a again because it's like a 70s Benoit film. There's like this like terrorist subplot. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess like terrorism. I mean, it's a thing today, but it seemed to be like almost like a, a novel, charming thing in the 70s. Uh, it's playful. Yeah, it's playful murder and robbery and mm-hmm. such. Uh, but there's this really great one where like there's a car bombing that happens right in front of Matthew while he's like in the back of a car, and it's like an inconvenience that it's happened. Mm-hmm. But there's this it's awesome because there's like this explosion and the plume of uh, the explosion goes up and it looks exactly like the trees in the area and it's like a, it's just a subtle thing and you're just like oh that's interesting like this is a visual it's like uh, it's like yeah when you look at it uh explosions kind of do look like trees uh for whatever reason that's just the way that they kind of look and he films that and you're like yeah that's something that like uh, a lot of filmmakers who do explosions don't think about them looking like trees it's the farthest thing from their mind because mm-hmm. they have different objectives so uh this kind of is a, a bunwellian surrealist kind of touch of just like images con- like just putting images together that just like mm-hmm. run in together um but yeah i've kind of babbled on about this movie enough uh rj <laughs> uh despite clearly not paying very close attention to this uh and saying you already like this movie what did you think of uh that obscure object of desire believe it or not I watched this movie and it had my full attention. I wasn't looking at my cell phone. I wasn't reading a magazine. I was watching this movie as unbelievable as that may be. Uh, I have a few things to follow up before I start. Uh, I have figured out the death of Louis Bunwell. Uh, Louis wanted for uh, Louis waited for death for a long time, like a good (laughs) Spaniard Uh uh, quote. And when he died, he was ready. His relationship with death was like that one he was, uh, that one has with a woman. He felt the love, hate, tenderness, ironical detachment of a long relationship, and he didn't want to miss the last encounter, that moment of union. I hope I will die alive, he told me. At the end, it was as he had wished. His last words were, I'm dying. And from longtime friend and collaborator Jean-Claude Carrier. Uh, and I think that speaks a lot to this movie uh, or else I wouldn't have read it. Uh, and then also I have just discovered uh, on the two Conchitas, uh, Bunuel claimed that his unusual casting decision was his own idea after drinking two dry martinis saying, quote, if I had to list all the benefits derived from alcohol it would be endless end quote bunwell's a cool dude uh and then it says others have reported that care uh, the guy who was with him when he died uh had first broached the idea while developing the film's scenario but it had been brushed off by by bunwell as a whim of a rainy day so i've done some research now yep i know what this movie is about And this is just going to help with what I try to do usually. 
I don't really look at a lot of reviews of movies before we talk about them because I don't want to I don't want to say what other people are saying because people can find that on the internet. My role as always is that first time watch for probably 90% of these movies, not all of them, but like 90%. And it's like here's my first genuine response. So, that all said, yes, I liked this movie. Uh, I think this movie has a lot of a lot of good stuff going for it. Uh, I wasn't totally bl- dick blown off by this movie. <laughs> to quote our our old uh, scale, between dick getting blown off, not blown off, and other things intact, intact. Uh, so it wasn't totally blown off. Um, and the only reason for that was I did find it a little tiresome near the end, where I was like, I kind of get it. I was like, can't move on a little bit, but I'll get there. I think the big thing with this is I think there's a lot to pull out of this where say you were in one of those kind of like snooty, pretentious film classes. uh, I think you could watch this movie and there would be a whole pile to unpack. As the kids say, there's a lot of unpacking on this thing where there's a lot of metaphors and allusions to things where I don't totally know what they all mean, but I see that he's trying to do stuff. Uh, So the ones that I do see is like that kind of connection between the those like revolt rebellions and the terrorists and what that's like being in a relationship, I think, where it's it's like two people who come together and they don't necessarily have this. This like it. Um, idyllic relationship where it's like oh I love you you love me we make each other better it's kind of like oh we make each other worse but it's kind of they play it off in in a way that you kind of like want them to work it out eventually not like say Sid and Nancy where you're like these people both suck I don't want either of them to be happy or Fuck succeed those people. or succeed you you like you kind of hope that it's like I hope they can find a nice compromise here where their lives can like work together uh and it's kind of like the the revolts and the terrorism it's like you know what they don't really get along but i hope there's they could maybe find a nice compromise so there's that uh there's this new information i have about two conchitas which i feel like uh you could pull a lot out of i didn't know that going into this so i have no thoughts on that but i feel like you could do that and then there's like there's really subtle scenes throughout this movie like there's one scene where when he goes to the restaurant and there's a fly in his water and the waiter's like he's like you know i've been chasing that fly for three days and just by chance he happened to dive into your water glass and uh, he's like yeah it happens man and they take it away and i feel like that's that could be seen as kind of like a casual throwaway scene but i feel like there's more there do i know what it means no i'm not gonna pretend like i know what they're talking about but i feel like you could take a lot out of that and you could make grand uh assumptions about what that means but anyways there's a lot of there's a lot of things like that like metaphors illusions things what i was saying i think you could pull a lot from this i mostly really like the story uh i like the dynamic between the two of them or three of them i guess they have a good chemistry and for the most part i'm on board with the story where uh, I think the movie does a really good job of going back and forth between who you kind of side with because I think there's this really nice uh, this really nice like split between 
where the movie starts and you see him dump the water on her and you're like, oh shit, she must be a bad bitch to deserve something like that. But then you see the way he like kind of like forwards himself on her and the way he treats her and you're like, oh shit. Is he the bad guy? Like having her deported, essentially. Yeah, like having her well, deported. In, indirectly. Like, He's just like, I want yeah. you to do something about her. Okay. Off she goes. Yeah, <laughs> off she goes. But there's like that. So you're like, oh, shit. Was he the bad guy? And then like, I, I feel like it kind of goes back and forth. You're like, oh, she's really shitty to him. He's really shitty to her. You're like, and then by the time you get to the end, you're like, they both suck. But that's why they kind of have this play between each other. So I think the movie succeeds in that right where they it's a really good balancing act between it's like he's shitty she's shitty back and forth back and forth you like this movie is, reminded me of right. a bit of what phantom thread yeah yeah exactly it's just like that yeah. and it's kind of like it's like phantom thread it's rebecca movie it's bun well bun well the man who didn't fear death and his last words were i'm dying <laughs> i'm dying I'm dying. When you were talking about the drinking, uh, that reminds me of uh, I read his uh, autobiography, uh, yeah. the last uh, my last sigh. And there's a one story of him like going into depth about like how to make drinks and stuff like that because he did like drinking and he talked about his like nice. his per- his perfect bar, which is just like a hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. Like it's like there's no TVs. It is it is there simply to go and drink in. There's like nothing on the mm-hmm. walls. It's just like oh, here's a table and some chairs, and it's like dim, and you just go to drink. The more and the more Bunuel we have, the more I appreciate who he was. Like we started with Discreet Charm, and I was like, "Yeah, it's not bad. I don't love it totally." We hit Diary of a Chambermaid, and I was like, "Ooh, I was like, this is pretty cool." And then we hit this one now, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm on board with this Bunuel guy. He's hitting all the right spots." And then hearing his drinking stories and talking about death, I like him. But uh, back to this, I like the structure of this story where it's like. The strangers on a train, and then a story within a story. Was there times where you like completely forgot? Like, there's like those moments where you forgot that that's the like the thing that he's like telling the story on the train, and it like cuts back, mm-hmm. and there's like all these people like now like standing around listening to him tell these like stories about like weird sex and depravity and like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the weirdest part was when he like so I I actually did have it in mind, but it was because when he's talking about uh. When he was like trying to get uh, get laid, and she was wearing the the like oh, chastity yes. belt thing, and, get, and getting and it off like, of her, he's like getting it off of her, and I was like, whoa! I was like, this is a pretty racy story to be telling in front of that lady's kid, and then it cuts to the scene where it's like her kid and another kid <laughs> are listening to it, and the mom's like, maybe you guys should go play somewhere, go and look, I was like, go Jesus, look, go look out the window while mom continues listening to the story. Yeah, I thought it was going to get played off where, like, the kid was asleep or something, and that's why he was telling yeah. it. But it was like, no, no. Bunwell's like, no, kids love that stuff. They're, they would be there listening to. So uh, I thought that was funny. But, no, I, I really like the structure where, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's nice. It can When when you do it well, it really bun, shows. Bun where, well? When you do it bun well, it really shows where it's, like, that story within a story. And then there's lot, there's lots of shitty versions of that. Everyone's yeah. seen oh, one. Oh, yeah, of course. But uh, he, he does like Titanic. Oh, well. well, yeah, that's fun. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff I like in this, though. Uh, I like uh, the dirty hobo shower where the girl just, like, is, like, washing herself with a rag in the sink. I was like, oh, yeah. Very, I've seen people do that in real life. It's, uh, it's very European. It's 
very European. Uh, I think it's horrible and disgusting, but I have seen people do that. Sometimes it's very you, real. Sometimes you just got to take care of the uh, the hot zones. The hot zones. Yeah. My goodness. Um, I, there's some lines in this that I think are really funny where after he gets them to deported and he's talking to his butler and the butler's like, how long are you going to be gone for? And he's like, I don't know, a week, maybe a year or two. <laughs> like such a such a dramatic incline. I was like, yeah, I like that. You tell him, man. Um, I like the idea that when this guy's like, I'm just going to go buy this girl. And he's like mm-hmm. talking in front of her. He's like, I'm going to buy you. And she's like, no, I don't want to be bought. I'm not that kind of girl. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to buy you, though. Uh, it's just it's funny that he's he's like doing it in front of her, but then behind her at the same time. Yeah, it's comical. It's comical, Jarrett. Uh, and then one thing that uh, I loved and this is going to be a mark in the Criterion uh, collection that I don't think will ever be upheld, is there is a scene where they catch a mouse in a trap, which I think is a metaphor for something like the fly. And you know what, Jared? They use a fake mouse. They do. And I thought that was amazing. Really classy. I I was like, you know what? Look, it's (laughs) not that hard. Makes up for that goose in uh, Diary of a Chambermaid. Oh, yeah, when that guy's like beating the shit out of that goose, he's just punching it in the fucking head, yeah. in the body. Yeah, that one was bad, but uh, maybe, Bu- yeah, maybe Bunwell uh, learned his lesson. But I really like that. I was like, bless, man, bless up, as the kids say, <laughs> on fleek. Yeah. But anyways, I did. Uh, I did think that was terrific because it was like, look, it doesn't look bad, but you can tell it's not real, and I appreciate that because they didn't actually just kill an animal for this. Like five second scene, mm-hmm. so good on him. But anyways, that's pretty much my rub on uh, that obscure object of desire. I thought it was a good show. Did I notice that there was two actresses in this movie? No, but uh, you know what, Jared? I uh, just I'm just gonna own it. I just own it. Whatever, it's fine. I don't uh, care. It, it it kind of brings to mind. You're not noticing this. It's like someone looking at a Rorschach test, and all they see is like my mother's brain scattered all over the floor. That's who me? Yeah. I feel like it'd go to the other way. You'd be like, what is this? And you'd be like, I don't know, a bunch of ink or something. Well, see, that's like, a, I, I could get someone seeing that. But, yeah. but <laughs> you go in the opposite direction of like, what? There's, there's, <laughs> those are two different people? It's like, I will not be having you. Uh, you'd make a terrible police officer. That's what I'm it'd saying. It'd be like a Rorschach of a full black cir- circle and be like, well, this is like woman's suffrage in the 1600s. And it's very clear to see. Uh, I. I'm as surprised as you are. As you said, I usually get hung up on these little details. You do, you do. All the time. All the time. But maybe maybe I just like this movie, and uh, I was just into it. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it took me the first, like, three times it happened for me to click. I'm like, oh, it's different people. Because sometimes I'm like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look the same. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. These are different characters. But I'm like, oh, wait. no, Oh, I see what he's doing. Uh... Maybe it. Maybe it's just that good. And there's like some, there's like kind of like a throw in there where it's like, I think the movie poster for this is like a, a mirror is involved and someone looking through a mirror and there's sort of a, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, duplicity or a mirror imaging, but even though it's like mm-hmm. reflecting something that's not there. Um, yeah, man, this movie I think is like, yeah, it's super, like, I'm actually was really surprised how good it was. Um, 
because like people don't talk about this one as much. I don't think it's like Discreet Charm or the Bourgeoisie, mm-hmm. or like there's like the other big uh, Benoit movies like Exterminating Angel, um, Simon of the Desert. I don't think it's talked about a ton, but like yeah, then there's like old Onshen um, Andalou, uh, his uh, legendary short film. Um, but yeah, like I think like again, also considering it's got uh, Fernando Rey, who's also mm-hmm. in Discreet Charm. I think this is a great follow up, and like I said, um, it's more focused. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like any other little things I really liked about this because there's a lot. Like I think that, yeah, this movie is just really good and a pleasure to watch, and I think more people should watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how did you? How did you feel when we finally got to uh, the, the, when uh, Matthew gets to like lay hands on his woman after he's had enough of her? Do you want me to say what I really feel, or do yeah. you want me to say the the version that's friendly for the podcast for all listeners you, that it's not say, incriminating? Say the friendly version. Uh, I feel like, even though, I got to state this very explicitly, even though, no, it is not the right thing to do, there is some satisfaction in it, because I feel like he gets shit on a lot, and it's like his moment to kind of take not like take control or take power like not and not in like a misogynistic way or anything like that it's just like this guy gets shit on so much and then he has like one way to like act out yes violence is not the answer but uh it is a little satisfying it's (laughs) wink (laughs) it's uh it's a little satisfying because it's just like it's like finally this guy stands up for himself yeah (laughs) should he beat the shit out of this lady no but I'm glad he stands up for himself. Yeah. After he watches his lady like bang, uh, like spaniard well, dancers but, in front of him. But he doesn't see. He believes. And then he comes back and they finish. And then we're yeah, told. When we're why told, would he believe that? Where it's why like, would he? Well, maybe in, she's telling the truth. Maybe she's lying. Because maybe she like every. Because you could always view everything that she says is completely the truth. Because there's times where he wants to believe what she's saying. But as us, the jaded viewer, we're like, oh come on, dude, quit buying this line of crap. Mm-hmm. But like, but everything she says always has like a certain like credibility to it. If you wanted it to be, if you lend her that. Sure. And again, I think at some point in time, people have been in that similar situation. Like they've been in a bad relationship I'm and they've sure. been like, well, maybe this person's not like, you know, maybe they got a good excuse. But You just don't know the but, man. But, but when people have excuse after excuse after mm-hmm. excuse, um, it just it builds builds to a point, builds to a climax. And uh, uh. blue balls aren't going to take care of themselves. You know what I'm saying? Jarrett, I don't like what you do <laughs> all the time. Uh, waka waka hey did you notice that uh, there was two actresses that played conchita in this movie um we'll see who the of the people who hate this movie let's let's see mm-hmm. if any of them uh make a comment about it oh, okay cool uh half a star from kathy cocote i don't know kathy cocote this is misogynistic and creepy as hell, and I feel sick watching it. There are multiple scenes of attempted rape and domestic violence. The whole fucking premise of the film is a misogynistic trope. I read several reviews, and not a single one mentioned this at all. Hmm, says the emoji. And all the men on Letterboxd in your reviews saying this film was funny or joking about blue balls. Fuck you. <laughs> so I see some trends. This... This Kathy Kakote is all over the fucking place. Uh, as we talked in the preamble, uh, she just gave Cam five stars, which is 
I don't know. I've never seen it. You did. But uh, favorite films include Wicker Man, The Graduate, Hiroshima Mon Amore, All About mm. Eve, which you're a big fan of. I like that. But, not, not that Hiroshima Mon Amore. That movie's boring. Here's Here are a few kickers, Jared. Phantom Thread, which we were just talking about. Two and a half stars, which seems weird. Their watch list has Cleo 5 to 7, which I'm only mentioning because I feel like that movie's been mentioned a lot lately. But a lot of their five-star movies are very suspect. There's one good one, JFK. That is absolutely a five-star movie. But then they have Call Me By Your Name, I, Tanya, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Mm, Death Becomes Her. That's a pretty dope movie. Five stars, probably not, but I do like that show. So there's this lady is all over the place. It's all over the place. Ready for another one? Hit it. Dennis Kelly, one star. Man, Benwell really hates women, doesn't he? Every character in this film mm-hmm. is a horrible person. Saw this one in theaters, and I think I am just as mad at the audience as I am with the film itself. I may have never seen their faces, but the sections they laughed at were enough for me to paint a picture of just what kind of people they were. <laughs> Man, is that all? That's it. Okay, Dennis Kelly. Favorite films, F for Fake, Bicycle Fees, The Wages of Fear, and Millennium Actress. Hmm. Pretty diverse little group there. They just gave Backdraft three and a half stars, Ooh. which uh, that's pretty fair. Uh, here we go, though. Top directors, Jacques Tati, Jim Jarmusch, David Cronenberg, and David Lynch, Heyo Miyazaki, Guillermo del Toro, Edgar Wright, uh, Taiki Watiti, Louis Mayel, and Shijun Suzuki. So a lot of Criterion alum, but five-star films. There's some good ones in here. They got some good ones like Moonlight, the Mel- the Michel Gondry music video collection, Iron Giant. But they also have some films like Empire Strikes Back, Mission Impossible 1. Nobody thinks that's a five-star film. Uh, your new favorite movie, Hereditary. Um, I don't know. They're all over the place. Good movies, bad movies, dump movies. Huh. Yeah, I mean, okay. And uh, one more here. From uh, Jacques Pololagaga, one star. Maybe something went over my head here, but after viewing, I couldn't help uh, that this would be a movie championed by men's rights activists who want to appear cultured. If it's meant to be satire, I think I missed something. Mm. (laughs) Ooh, baby. Jacques Pololagaga. Uh, Jared, would you believe that they are a big fan of Fight Club and a big fan of your buddy Kevin Smith's Clerks? What? Uh, they just gave No Country for Old Men four and a half stars. Okay. Seems a little bit. <laughs> a little low. <laughs> a little low out there. Sure. But, uh, something like, well, good in the bad, good, bad, and the ugly. Fine. Something called Not Quite Hollywood. From 2008. Why is that a favorite movie of someone's? I don't know. Five star movies. Mean Girls. Son of Rambo. Kick-Ass. Incredibles 2. Just garbage. Garbage movies. What were those first two movies you mentioned? Clerks? Uh, Clerks and Fight Club. Yeah. See, like, 
that's those movies are if you want to get on about like toxic masculinity and shit like that and oh like, i'm i'm, and movie, a, I'm and anti-woman stuff those movies definitely have those demonstrate those attributes as well so i find it interesting that this movie gets singled out it's so weird like okay mm-hmm. so my my criticism of this viewpoint this like uh, way of looking at this movie and i guess it's like it's hard to dismiss somebody if this is like overwhelms them and this this is not a majority view this is like a pretty like small group of people who don't like this movie because overall people do like it um and don't have these problems but like how can you watch anything and like view like and make these projections about like the people who watch these movies and the people who make these movies based on these things i mean i, I guess i've done it myself uh mm-hmm. like with chasing amy if we want to talk about kevin smith whereas sure. like i i think it's like well he wrote and directed everything element of it and it's like these are like he prides himself on these are his characters. Whereas Louis Benwell is like writing movies about like rich people and writing like, I don't know, mm-hmm. he's working in a different realm. And I guess it's unfortunate to me that I guess that people might not be able to get through like literary references and be able to strip out what's there and how it's acting and stuff like that. But if it doesn't mm-hmm. fit into their, uh, I guess agenda, uh, then they dismiss it and like, mm-hmm. and it's not for them, and that's fine. They can move on. They don't. No one's making anybody watch that obscure object of desire. That's never going to happen. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Uh, I so I've never seen this movie, but uh, you could tell me if it fits in toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. But uh, welcome to the dollhouse by uh, your buddy by by Todd Saul. Uh, yeah. No, that movie's just like misanthropic. Like it hates everybody. Okay. And, uh, they That's the last movie th- this person watched. They gave it three and a half. Oh, they're just turds. That movie, okay. that movie's great. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. This, uh, I don't know. This thing that we do. I, this... I, I ain't going to lose sleep over it. With these people or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So actually, while we're on it, uh, this Jacques Polige has only given like seven one-star films. Or oh, one star ratings. This is one of them. That obscure object of desire. Alien versus Predator Requiem. Alien Covenant. Max Payne with Mark Wahlberg. Grease 2. 50 Shades of Grey. Without a Paddle. And Resident Evil. So I don't really know wow. why that obscure <laughs> object of desire fits in with these movies. I feel like this person maybe maybe it, doesn't want to watch Criterion movies and well, just watch or the, or this movie just man it rubbed them wrong because <laughs> it's like bizarre I, they're they're seeing things I don't know maybe this idea that like anyone could be hor- like people can be horrible and it's like yeah. they don't like that they they're uncomfortable with that. Because I don't know, mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. I don't see uh, Louis Benoit mm-hmm. making any sort of statement about women. Like he, it's like literally called that obscure object of my desire. It's like, yeah, this character has completely objectified this woman into like a desire. Like it's not even a human being anymore. And then like things play out in sort of like this ridiculous way because they're still human beings trapped in like these ideas are inhabiting like sure. be- human beings that are in a movie and it's like an idea playing out and then mm-hmm. it like all ends and in a fucking explosion and you don't know if they're dead or not or things are just going to end horribly no matter what in the streets mm-hmm. of Europe um, like it's not like it's yeah it's a it is an explosive ending like it's things don't end well that that seems to be the thing so I don't think Louis Benoit is going yes I think this is a great way of society to work like if you think you're insane people suck yeah 
And uh, that's about it, I guess. Yep, they do. And then, I think suck. I think this movie demonstrates that too. I don't think there's like like I said uh, a lot of bad people in this movie, but it's still very watchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Jared. I'm just. I'm just. Uh... After the break, I'm dying. I'm dying. I desire. I desire. After another hot episode, are you going to go uh, just drown your sorrows in some drink like our boy Louie would want? Jared, it's interesting that you say that. Um, I don't drink alcohol. I'm uh, abstinent. Mm. News. That's new. That's what I'm. That's the same thing, right? Yeah. Is that how words work? Abstinent. <laughs> Hey, did you know that there's two actresses that play the same character in this movie? I might have heard that on a podcast once. Oh, okay. Cool. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us when you realize that there was two actresses playing the same character in this movie. Hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We're on YouTube, we're on Patreon, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, where you can listen to our episodes every late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Next week, uh, double header time. Oh, no. I know. The I didn't know that. Yeah. But it's uh, our good friend Milos Forman, director of such movies as Amadeus and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And we're watching some of his uh, earlier films, Love is of a Blonde and The Fireman's Ball. Hot diggity dog. I don't know, man. I like Man on the Moon a lot, but I don't know, Milos. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not in. I, I didn't know we were doing two movies next week. I'm not really looking forward to this. <laughs> Jared, I don't like this. Not at all. They're Czechoslovakian. That's not improving things, in, for my opinion. Um, one takes place. Like they literally are about what their titles say. I didn't only I didn't even listen when you said the titles names. I don't even know what we're fucking watching next week. Movies, RJ. Cinema. Yeah, I heard doubleheader C- and cinema I checked out. Itself. I heard doubleheader um, and I checked out. You know what we totally didn't do? We didn't talk about the uh DVD covers. You know why that is? Because I don't even own the Criterion version of this uh obscure object. I've got the Studio Canal Blu-ray that is better than the old DVD because this movie's out of print. 
from the Criterion Collection. There's a lot of Studio Canal, huh? There, yeah. Well, actually, and that's news from a couple weeks ago is uh, Kino Lorber. They're actually uh, putting out these uh, movies that went out of print from Criterion finally on Blu-ray. So, yippee! Are we still listening, or are we still recording? Yeah, sure. And now we're not. Oh, okay. Good night. <laughs> hey, did you know there was two actresses in this movie?